Today on Gamerhead Radio. John, John, don't do it. I don't know what you're talking about. Today on Gamerhead Radio. To think, of, <laughs> think about this. Today on Gamerhead Radio, follow our step-by-step guide on how to make sure that the companion app companies don't fart in your mouth. God dang it. Gamerhead Radio starts now. I'm sorry. Hello and welcome to Gamerhead Radio. I am Jonathan Santiago, a.k.a. Fallon Flynn. Morbius for villains, come on! And I am Charlie Technotronicorn Worthley. Candy Mountain, Charlie. And that's it. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, we, we talked about it last week and we decided that since we, since we assailed you all with weeks and weeks of, of people, names, not faces so much, but uh, uh, people in the studio, we decided to keep the show simple this week and give you guys... Uh, uh, no nonsense. That's not true. There's going to be nonsense. Show uh, for the week. Charlie, how are you? Yeah, I'm fantastic. Um, it would be weird if there was no nonsense. I don't know what I would do with myself. Well, um, then we would be a video game NPR show. No, that's true. That's Hello true. and welcome to Gamerhead. We have to take off the pop filters because you have to. You have to get super close to yeah. the microphone when you're in. You got to put your nose on it. Right there. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. <sighs> it's like it's like having a, it's like having a steel dick rest on your face. See <laughs> and nonsense there it goes. already. There it goes. And we're off to a roaring start. <laughs> Charlie, uh, tell the nice people who came out this week. Uh, so on the 7th, we're getting Geometry Wars 3 Dimensions on the Vita, uh, Rocket League on Windows and PS4, uh, Numa Breath of Life on the PS4, Skullgirls 2, uh, I'm sorry, Skullgirls 2nd Encore on the PS4, uh, Battle Fantasia Evolved Edition on the PC, and Neko Burrow Cat's Block on the Vita. I might be a, buy a Vita just for that game. Um, <laughs> on the Is it a- the cats, Charlie? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much. Uh, on the 8th, we're getting Worms, Worms, I'm, words are hard and difficult. Uh, mm. On the 8th, we're getting Worms World Party Remastered on Windows. And Smite, uh, the open beta for that, is starting on the Xbox One, also on the 8th. On the 9th, the Red Solstice on the PC. And on the 10th, we're getting F1 2015 on Windows, PS4, and Xbox One. All together, kind of a boring week in video games. Truly, truly, truly past the summer release window. Mm -hmm. Even though we're right in the middle of summer, we've gotten to that place where play whatever it is you're going to play now's the time to finish witcher now's the time to finish arkham city or arkham knight now's the time to finish whatever or it is arkham you're city if you're, it's true, it's true. <laughs> if you're danny meckler it's true it's true if you're danny meckler um now's the time to finish whatever you know uh and make room for metal gear because it's coming um but yeah yeah not not an exciting or terribly riveting release uh, list this week but i guess they can't be all you know uh, uh big smash hits every it, week if if there were we would have well, I don't know what I would do with myself. Again, no, honestly, I need to slow down, man, yeah. because there are enough like AAA, like big titles coming out right now that I can't keep up with them right now. There's just too much shit coming out. And now that I have a 3DS, let's just, yeah, let's add another <laughs> platform of things. Like, and, and the storied length and history of how many games exist on a DS that are backwards compatible. I could not buy another game system for the next five years and not run out of shit to play. Yep. So, um, considering the majority of those games you could probably get for five bucks in the bargain bin. Oh, I try not to think about it, man, because I will go in there and, and I will go on a bender and buy everything. And then, and then my, my lady will leave me. So you will not be getting a GameStop credit card is what you're saying. Hate GameStop. <laughs> oh, that's right. For other reasons. I worked yes. there for a while. Refer to previous episodes for reasons on, uh, on that. I think we, I think that was discussed, but anyways. dark, dreadful place. Yeah. And also, as this is the first episode that we are recording in the month of July, we can tell you about the free Xbox Live Games with Gold uh, selections for the month. 
Um, so on the why won't my screen scroll? Um, on the Xbox One side of things, for the first half of the month, you can get Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag, outstanding. Uh, currently a twenty nine ninety nine, uh, you know, value. Uh, you can get free for, uh, for the uh, for the first through the fifteenth of July. Um, and I want to I just want to mention something uh, particularly nice experience on my end. Um, as the as an owner of that game, I had it installed on my hard drive when this came up, and um, as a uh, as a free as a, you know the free download of the month, I went to it and I said yes, I would like to quote unquote buy this game, and it did a quick install, which I assume was just the license, and now I can play that copy I already had installed on my hard drive from the disc, without the disc. That is outstanding. It was seamless. So, so that, that was very nicely done. So, um, And yeah. as we're going to talk about companion apps for games later in the episode, uh, those of you that download the game for this month can optionally download and enjoy the companion app for this game if you choose to do so. Feel free to give us your feedback if you do. Definitely. And for the second half of the month, from the 16th, um, they actually say on, uh, on Major Nelson's blog, he specifies that this is going to be from July 16th through August 15th. So also into the first half of August, um, you can get, uh, so many me, which I'm not familiar with at all, but it looks like a cute game with, um, what looks like those little uh, blob things from Dragon Quest. Um, the slimes, the slimes, it kind of looks like little slimes, but they're not slimes, obviously. So many but, me, uh, well, a bunch of self-centered little bastards. If you ask me, <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be, it, it looks like it might be like lemmings ish. It just just mm. from the cover art, I'm 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 making a a, a, a judgment there. Um, on the 360, um, for uh, starting on July 1st, you can get the original Plants vs Zombies, which is still they're still charging fifteen dollars for. Um, Don't know how. Well, yeah. I mean, good game if you like that kind of sure. thing. I will say that. Um, I did play that through completion on my iPad and enjoyed every second. Is it fifteen dollars worth of game? Um. It's 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 zero dollars worth the game absolutely so if you, <laughs> fair enough touche if you haven't played it um check it out um and then on the sixteenth um uh the three sixty owners can get Gears of War three um f- for free through July thirty first um so yeah not not a bad selection of games this month Gears three is a damn good game if you haven't yeah. played it even if you hate the Gears games play it for free you might find surprise surprisingly that it's better than you think it's going to be even though you won't have any idea what the hell's going on if you didn't play the other two agreed. And on the PlayStation Plus side of things, we can also tell you that for July 2015, uh, your free games are as follows. Rocket League on the PS4. Sticks Master of Shadows on the PS4. That's a good get. I've, yep. played, I've played Sticks on the PC. Okay. It's, it's fun. It's a good, good uh, you know, free title. Cool. Uh, Mousecraft, uh, which is a cross-buy on PS4, PS3, and the Vita. Uh, Entwined, also on the PS4, PS3, and the Vita. Rain on the PS3. And Geometry Wars three on the Vita, so not too bad. I think uh, p- personally, I think uh, Xbox has the better lineup this month. Sure, but sure. Um, but uh, a lot of variety in, in Sony's lineup, though. Yes, so, I mean, it's that's cool. they're, def- they're offering a little bit of everything in there. It's cool. Definitely true. Um, so yeah, now to be clear, that's not heavy rain, which is the, which is where my mind always immediately goes to when I see rain, which is a completely mm-hmm. different game. But, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I've heard good things about rain, but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. So those are your free Xbox and PlayStation games for July, 2015. What'd you play this week, Charlie? Uh, I've spent most of my time playing Arkham Knight. Um, I've actually had some time to play video games, which is a uh, very exciting for Whee! me. Um, I'm about 60% of the way through the main story. Um, various levels of percentages through the all the various side quests and things like that. Um, just like the previous Arkham games, I don't see myself 100%ing it. Um, just, I mean, like, I'm glad to see that there are only, and I say only, 200 uh, 
240-odd, I think, Riddler trophies. <laughs> was that all? Yeah. I feel like Arkham City, it was a lot more. I, I, I feel like I they scaled back. I think it was back. comparable, but I think the difference with this one so far is that the some of them, especially like the racing missions, mm-hmm. the Riddler like challenge racing missions, yeah. they're a little longer than just walking up figuring out a puzzle or a riddle and then finishing it. Yeah. Um, I do like the, the variety. Oh yeah. Very much. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, w- I briefly considered when I was playing Arkham city, I, I, I considered hundred percenting it, but I frankly just got bored with it. Cause I just, it, there wasn't enough variety for me. And just, just with my gaming OCD, I just, I, it, it wasn't enough to really hold my attention. Like I, I finished a story. I'd done like the majority of the main side quests, but just all the little, little stuff. It just wasn't, I had other things to play. So I, I did off. everything except for the challenge maps. Okay. I I did some of them, but that's one of those things. Like if you ask my brother has hundred percented that game on more than one platform. Wow. My brother loves challenge maps. And he is insane <laughs> with his combo flow, like free flow stuff on that. It's great. Um, I'm not as far ahead as you are, um, but but I've got some thoughts on it. Is there anything else you played this week or was it just... Um, I played, I uh, didn't finish, but I started at least the, the newest um, uh, chapter of the Game of Thrones Telltale series. Um, uh, don't have a good reason for not having finished it because usually those are one-nighter events, but um, I think I just I think I was just distracted by Arkham Knight. So <laughs> Megan and I started Game of Thrones, by the way. Oh yeah, what do you We've think? Of seen it? exactly one episode. Oh oh, of the, of the show, <laughs> the actual okay. game, the actual show. Uh, so I'm I own that. I'm waiting to play it until I get into the show. I know that they're not necessarily dependent on one another. But I, I feel like it would be better to know. Yeah, especially, you know, as I've gotten more into it, there's enough references, there's enough characters popping yeah. up from the series, especially in this newest episode. Yeah. Um, like, it almost focuses entirely about one of the main characters of the show. And so, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, yeah, you will definitely, anybody will definitely in, get more enjoyment out of the Telltale game sure. if they've seen the show. And I, I got that impression, so I'm going to wait until yeah. I can play it. I would say that's a good call. And how is it so far, this next chapter? What chapter um, are you on now? Uh, the newest one is three, I want to say. Three, yeah. three or four. Uh, I'm sorry. I should know the answer to that, but I don't. <laughs> um, it's, um, I guess if you're listening to this way in the future, it's the one where I'll just say you you really encounter uh, Daenerys Targaryen for the first time. Um, uh, yeah. So, but um, as as to how it is, um, my my impressions of it stay the same. I'm... Uh, we, we we said before, and Goat, I think, put it very well, su- summarizing my impressions of the game, is that they, I, I, I feel like there's two teams over at Telltale. They've got the A team and the B team. Uh, I still believe that they've got the A team on Borderlands because the Game of Thrones will pretty much sell itself because it's Game of Thrones. Sure, and so sure. they can afford to put the B team on it. But um, it's I'm still having all the same problems I've talked about before. Like, I like I like the story. Um, you know, I like, you know, the voice acting is good. Like all the things that are important are good, but it's, it's buggy. Like the animation is not as subpar to me. Mm. Um, like, especially for me, like whenever you load up a new episode, like it does basically a last time on game of Thrones, kind of like reminding you of the decisions that you've made. And of Mm -hmm. course this is customized because everybody has made different decisions. And for me, especially loading up this last episode, it took like, it was super jerky and took like a long time to load each of these different sequences for, for, I I don't know why. Um, so so would you say that this, this episode in particular was buggier than the ones that came before um, or do you think bum, it's bum, consistently bum, bum. buggy? Throughout? I would say it's mostly consistent. Mm, that's unfortunate. Um, 
and you know the the some of the art style choices I find to be weird. Like there's this, it's it has a very painted look to it. Mm. Like a lot, and it's not consistent either. Like sometimes they like a lot of the backgrounds, especially like when you when you when the camera is basically focused on two characters having a conversation, the background will be. And I believe I'm, I'm I hope it was intentionally stylized to look, look kind of like an oil painting. Sure. Um, just because design choices. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's inconsistent because sometimes then when a character is like close up to a door. Like, for example, they, you know, they go to reach and open a door like it'll be it'll be colored and textured just like the characters. But then like the, it'll switch camera angles and go back and all of a sudden the door is like oil painting and it's it's weird. Mm. Um, it's it's like, do you find it distracting? Um, I find it. I mean, I find it distracting because I, I have OCD. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, other people may not have even noticed, you know, noticed the art style. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but um, it's it's. It's it's not enough. It's certainly not enough to get me to stop playing the game. Uh, overall, I still enjoy it, but there's just this, these little things here and there that, again, make it feel like they've got the B team on this one. Sure, because sure. I haven't experienced any of these issues at all with uh, Borderlands, which I ha- I haven't played the newest episode of yet. But um, just you know, comparing experiences. I still have to finish the first so episode of that. I, I started it. I'm halfway through with it. I just need to get back to it. Okay. Too, so many distractions. <laughs> yeah, I understand completely. Um, that's been it for me this week. How about you? Um, I, I did, surprisingly, I, Arkham Knight was not what dominated most of my week for gaming because I've been moving nonstop between Anime Midwest this weekend, which was a blast. I am um, I am deeply and truly sorry I could. I, I I I got the impression that that you felt a sense of regret by not being able to make it. Yep. It was a fun show, you know, and and uh, look forward to next year because I'm sure it'll be a good time. But uh, it was a great show. Everybody that came out, thank you. Uh, anybody who's listening, if you happen to come out, thank you. Really appreciate you guys being there. Had a great time. Uh, look forward to the next convention. Um, but uh, the the week was spent because I was on the go. I spent most of my week playing uh, the Legend of Zelda: A Link Between Worlds, which I had mentioned I started last week. Mm-hmm. I expected to play it in little pieces here and there, um, but I've really, really I've dug into it. I'm actually almost done with it. Um, for anybody who's played it or, or completed it, um, I, I have one more sage to rescue, uh, and then I'm going to do a little bit of uh, collecting uh, to try and get some more heart containers. I like having all my hearts before I finish a Zelda game. It's one of the only like things that makes me crazy if I don't have all of them. Um, but I am largely done with the game. Um, it is fantastic. It is... I, I had read and heard a lot of people say that it shares a lot in common with uh, A Link to the Past, and it does. I, it, I don't know if it was supposed to be a spiritual successor, but it is. It uh, has a lot of the same music from A Link to the Past, modernized. It has all the same sound effects and uh, things that really drum up a lot of nostalgia. It just looks and plays more like a classic Zelda game than anything I've seen before it for a while. Um, and this is from somebody who liked, uh, you know, Skyward Sword and, uh, enjoyed at least the world design for Wind Waker, even though I didn't like the character design in that game. Um, and, and, uh, so yeah, it's, um, it's great. I recommend it to anybody that's got a 3DS, anybody who likes Zelda. I recommend it to anybody who doesn't like Zelda games, uh, because it just, it's one of those nice polished, um, cool experiences they even put like a quick travel system in so you don't have to run all around the world hmm. you know you you find these little birds and you know you save the birds and then once you have them you get this bell you can ring anywhere in the world and it'll take you to a place you've already unlocked a typical quick travel system which i thought was nice um and it also they did something that it's probably the silliest thing i'm going to mention about a zelda game or a nintendo game and i you remember i just got this 3ds so i don't know if they do this in a lot of other games or nintendo games or first party nintendo games when you save your game if it's 
more than 30 minutes or so, it gives you a notification when you save your game that says, hey, you've been playing for a while. Why not take a break? You can quit the game by going to the start menu and hitting quit. Well, that was kind of a nice recommendation because I don't think about it until that pops up. And then I go, you know what? I've been playing for a while. I just finished like a big boss fight in the dungeon. I'm going to go ahead and save and shut it. I just shut it and walk away from it for half an hour. I don't think I would do that if they didn't give you the reminder that I've been sitting there for half an hour. It's like a very gentle way to guilt you into getting off your lardy ass. <laughs> and it, it worked. I, I got up and I'm like, yeah, I'll come back to it later. I'll go do something else. Nice. Uh, great game. I love it. Um, I've tinkered with some of the other games I've gotten, but Mr. Ricky Keller um, let me borrow that. And so I've been playing it as to get it back to him as quickly as possible. Out of curiosity, I don't see myself getting a 3DS anytime soon just because I have I have no place in my life for one. Do you... Do you think that this game, um, may, unless it is already, in which case I'm going to feel dumb for asking this question, do you see this uh, this game being able to be ported to like the Wii U? To, to uh, be able to be I think it's entirely possible. They could do okay. it. Um, it. It certainly wouldn't be the monumental event that a Zelda game would be, you know, the new one coming up or mm-hmm. Skyward Sword was, you know, very well received. And it's always a big event when a Zelda game is announced. Um, it would definitely be like a WiiWare title. You know, okay. but uh, yeah, it could absolutely do it. I see, you know? Just because of the dual screen thing, I and almost kind of feel well. But the, they use the dual screen in that very utilitarian way that the 3DS has a tendency okay. to use things where it just keeps you from having to go into a pause or start menu. You know, gotcha. everything's touch screen on there when you're handling your inventory and your gear. You know, in the map. Cool. You know, typical 3DS stuff. Cool. Um, but with the gamepad, that wouldn't change anyways. You know, what they could do on that, they could do on the gamepad. Okay, cool. I think it would be silly if they didn't do it, but I highly doubt they will. I hope they do, though. At least for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I did play Arkham Knight. Um, I am only uh, 16% complete as far as my save file is concerned. Uh, I'm loving it. Um, We talked a lot about it last week, so I'm not going to get too far into it. Um, I really, really, really enjoy being able to switch side missions on the fly with that little, like the equivalent of a weapon wheel. Yep. I like that a lot. I mm-hmm. think that's great. It's smooth. It's seamless. And um, I like how some of those missions start. It's very engaging. When I ran into Man Bat, he scared the shit out of me. Thank you. Yes. I cool. screamed. I laughed. Michelle was asleep next to me when I ran into Man Bat. <laughs> and I mean, I, you know, I have, you know, if you haven't caught this before, I play on a hundred inch projection screen and so i i have my sound to match a, mm. a screen of that size and um you know i i, I don't have it like blasting especially because like it, it's a regular occurrence that michelle will fall asleep next to me while i'm playing video games Megan and does so the same thing with me i have it loud enough so that i can make out what's going on but you know uh you know this game this game is even it seems to me even a lot of the action like the sound is mixed very well like i don't have to oh, like yeah. i don't have to have it turned up to like there's some games where i have to have it turned up to hear the dialogue but then the explosions like shake the house you know what i mean mm-hmm. Th- this game is mixed very well but that man bat scream like it screamed i screamed I don't, know, I don't know if i screamed or michelle screamed first and she was asleep at the time so like it <laughs> it woke her, it woke it woke her up and scared the daylights out of her it scared me i'm not sure, the, the 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 combination of man bat and michelle screaming scared the crap out it was just it was ah, 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 i ah. had a similar so. <laughs> reaction but i don't know i don't even know if, i didn't even think to talk to her about it i don't think megan even maybe she doesn't realize it because she was asleep but i was sitting there i sit in my like computer chair in front of the tv and i have a um I think it's like a 65 inch TV or something. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big TV. Um, I'm sitting there. She's sleeping on the couch to my left and he, he jumps out, scares the shit out of me. I went, ah, hideous monster. And Megan <laughs> set up and looked at me like I was talking to her. <laughs> I got the dirtiest look I've ever seen from my lady. And I, th- I was like, no, no, not you. Go back to sleep. 
man, that made me pee a little. It's okay. Go back to sleep. Um, that was engaging. Mm-hmm. That I wasn't expecting it. That it wasn't a, I went to a, um, a waypoint and stepped on it and it activated a cutscene. That it just happened yes. and scared the shit out of me. Made me want to engage that story mission immediately. And I love Man Bat as a character. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm not only a huge Batman fan, but I will champion the cause of, you know, uh, uh, Paul Dini's Batman the Animated Series writing. Uh, uh, love the animated series. Oh my, it's to me. It that is was the, in the first episode, right? Man Bat? Man Bat, yeah. yeah it was the first one that aired. Right, okay, like sure. Like the preview version of the okay. episode. That it was like a primetime thing. They did it at like 8 o'clock at night and showed it. Okay. Um, but uh, I will forever champion the cause of that show. And all of the, the animations they did after that one, um, you know, New Adventures of Batman and Robin and Justice League that were all in their little universe, Paul Dini and, um, oh, all of a sudden his name eludes me, Tim... What's his name that does all the art? I can't remember his last name. Can't help you. Um, Batman the Animated Series is the definitive version of whatever they've done. It is the best thing they've done. And I love Batman Beyond, too. Mm-hmm. But the art style, the, the the knockoff, the Fleischer Brothers, like Superman art style, my favorite thing in the world. Um, so I love Man Bat. I was excited to see him, and it immediately engaged me. And every other mission I've done, including Azrael, which I have a huge soft spot for Azrael. Not this Azrael. Not Michael Lane Azrael. Jean-Paul Valley Azrael. For a specific reason, Michael Lane is a douchebag, um, but I love Azrael. All right. Um, so yeah, it's just it's wonderfully engaging. All the complaints people have about the Batmobile, I, I'm sorry, I disagree. Yep. One now that I'm comfortable with it. Yep. And the seamlessness with which you can drop in and out of it, holy crap! Mm-hmm. And the more upgrades you unlock for it, and the faster you can move or jet yourself out of it or drop back down to the street. Nobody's ever done anything like that with a with a vehicle, a traveling vehicle in a game before, and I think it's brilliant. I completely agree. There's two other things I want to mention that I'm sure. p- particularly fond of, too, with this game. So the first one, and as I'll say this as spoiler-free as I can, um, throughout the majority of the game, um, you have a constant interaction with a particular character. And the way that these interactions are integrated into the gameplay and into the story is just so ridiculously well done. Because they happen randomly. I and know what you're talking about. Yep, I made it that far. They're they're random, but they're so um like they're not jarring at all. Like just no. like what you're talking about with the interaction with Manbat, how you were just going about your business and like doing somewhere, all of a sudden Manbat. And it's just the same kind of thing. It's just yep. you will be do you know, you will be working a case, you will be investigating things, and all of a sudden there's you you will have interactions with the, with this character. And it is just so seamlessly integrated. Like, I, it is I have a perfect. feeling that people will be finding these things for a long time because I think what it is is mm-hmm. they they scripted these events to happen based on your location. I don't know if you've experienced this or not. I'll give one such example. And again, spoiler free, I was just gliding across the city to get to a mission waypoint and I had to because it was over a large body of water. There was a, uh, it was either a bridge or a crane. I don't remember. I had to land on it in order to jump off again to keep gliding and the character and when I landed just hanging there, out there. the character was just sitting there leg yep. dangling on the edge and starts talking to me and i was like wow that is so mm-hmm. smooth man yep given your given where you are in the game i can tell you it just gets better the good, way good. the way that it's integrated um so and the uh, the other thing that i i have never seen this in a console game before but have you noticed when you're loading your game that it keeps backups of your save files. Have you seen this? No. It, when you're when you're when you're at the screen where you're picking your save slot, um, if you look at the bottom uh, on at least on Xbox One, um, I believe it's one of the bumpers, right or left bumper. Yeah. 
If you hold that down, you have to hold it for a pretty long time, actually. It will take you to a screen where it has like several iterations of your save file that you can go back to if you, you know, for for whatever reason, like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe whether whether they're protecting themselves in case of like a game breaking bug so you can go back or you just want to go back and try something a different way or do something a different way. Not that not that this game is really made in a way that's it's like multiple like like there there's pretty much only one way to do everything, I, I think is safe to say. Um, but, uh, you know, for for, for the, uh, but, you know, I've never seen a console game do this before where it, it has backups of that your saves. Crazy smart. So instead yeah. of instead of overriding your save data, whenever it auto saves, or it just, when if you it save like manually, it. it just takes your previous save file and bumps it back and mm-hmm. leaves it in like a reserve slot somewhere that's not basically. Like, and yeah, and it's it's it's. There's no way that you could choose one accidentally. Like I say, you have to go to a save file and then hold down one of the bumpers for a pretty long time to bring up this menu. And I only looked at it initially, so I don't know um, like how many of your previous saves it keeps or anything. But I mean, like you know, when you're talking about like save files for for console games are relatively small. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they're probably I would say maybe a half a meg, meg, maybe a couple megs at the most each. But still, you know, when you're talking about you know a 500 gig hard drive. You know, that's nothing. So it's I, I game makers, please, all of you start doing this because it's brilliant and perfect. It's awesome. Yeah. And honestly, for for all of the things that people were complaining about or f- trying to find excuses and reasons to complain about, which people did with The Witcher, too. I found a lot of people bitching about that game in its first week of release. I think I've just come to the conclusion that the the anonymous voice of the Internet is a collective uh, dickhead <laughs> well, and uh, um, uh crying whiny pissy baby yep so stop complaining about this game it's a good game if you don't like batman don't play it if you don't like open world or sandbox games don't play it if you think that the previous game sucked and this one's not going to be any better for you then don't play it you know but if you're going to play it enjoy it man have fun with it it's a good game yeah it it is it very much is what it is um and if you don't like the kind of game that it is then why are you playing in the first place um unless you're on pc and you're complaining about it it's completely That's not working. Different. That's, That's different. different. <laughs> but, I had this um, discussion with Ricky Keller because Ricky, Ricky wasn't crazy about. Ricky is interesting because he's got these great taste in games, um, and he, he, you know, being a, a programmer himself, you know, he enjoy he loves games, but he he and I offer uh, often have sort of differing tastes sometimes in games. We meet in the middle often, but like, uh, I I played all of the Dead Space games. He liked the first one had no interest in the other two because they didn't really offer anything new, you know? Um, I think kind of a similar thing with the Arkham games from what I could recall talking to him about. And he asked me, is, am I going to like this any more than the previous ones? Is it different enough? Do they add anything different? And I'm like, eh, kind of. Um, Batmobile stuff is different. The way that some of the story stuff pans out, a little different. Mm-hmm. A little more dramatic story, a little less cartoony. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I would say try it. But if you just didn't like those first two games or they didn't keep your attention, it's, it is... More of the same with an improvement. They improved everything about it. Yep. So, I mean, I guess it just depends on whether or not it's for you. You know, I loved it, or I'm loving it, and I'm going to, when we're done recording, I go home and get on that now that I have a little free time. But yeah, enjoy it. Have fun with it. Cool. So now that you know what we did last week of video gaming, let's see what the industry did this last week in video gaming. All right, a little bit of a slow news this week, but I got some goodies for you guys out there. Coming in at number five, Bill Trinan of Nintendo to compete at Evolution Championship Series 2015. 
Um, Nintendo of America's Bill Trennan has revealed that he's going to compete at the Evolution Championship Series in 2015. Uh, it's kind of a surprise. You don't see um, head honcho types or people that are involved in uh, in any sort of, uh, you know, uh, public uh, display for a company typically participate in this stuff. For those of you who don't know Bill Trennan, you, if you've watched a Nintendo Direct video uh, in, in recent uh, years, you've probably seen Bill Trennan. Um, he was he was the guy that uh, they shrunk down on the desk in the last uh, not the E three uh, <laughs> edition of uh, of, of uh, Nintendo Direct but the one just before that. Um, you've you've probably seen him if you know him. He's got a distinctive, memorable face. Um, so the fighting game tournament known as Evo uh, for short, it's going to take place but uh, Friday seventeenth uh, Sunday through the Sunday the nineteenth July twenty fifteen. So it's coming up here in just a couple of weeks. I love Evo. I always tune in and watch it streaming if I'm not participating. And if I recall correctly, our own Brian Lesser is going to be there competing. I believe so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll. I'm sure we'll have some updates uh, for you guys about that as he gets into it. Uh, so the, the, to give people an idea, the game lineup for uh, Evo's uh, Ultra Street Fighter Four, Killer Instinct, Yay, Ultimate Marvel, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Three, Guilty Gear Xrd Sign, Mortal Kombat X, Persona Four Arena Ultimax, Tekken Seven, Super Smash Brothers, and lastly Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U, which is what Bill Trennan is going to be competing in. So even though he's competing in a public competition, um, he's going to be playing his company's game. I'm, I'm assuming maybe he's just through working for the company has played enough of it. Um, to be good at it, you know, if you're going to Evo, you you at least assume you're good enough at what you're doing to uh, compete, or maybe he's just doing it for fun. So you don't think that this is um, there's uh, any sort of like, hey, we want to pay to have one of our guys there for promotional reasons or anything um, like that. I thought about that, and uh, I mean, they obviously don't discuss that in, in sure. any of the articles that I, I researched for this. Um, I would imagine it's a smart move for them. It's going to generate some sort of an eyebrow raise from Nintendo fans because. Nintendo fans are are historically a lot more attached to the the people that work for Nintendo than other companies. <laughs> yeah. They they almost treat them like mascots, um, which is interesting. Bill Trennan is typically not one of those guys, but as he's been appearing in the Nintendo Direct videos as of late, I think people kind of look at him and, and recognize him. Um, you know, they they did ask him. The only thing he really kind of say about it is uh, they asked him which character he will likely play. And when I say they, I'm talking about Nintendo Insider. Um, is where I got most of this article from. Um, he said mostly Yoshi and Rosalina, but I've got uh, a couple of others in my pocket. Um, so that's it, man. That's 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 really all they had to say about it. But I found it kind of interesting because you don't see a lot of people who actually work in like a public figure role or uh, a public spokesperson for a company typically don't get involved in the public events. Yeah, um, it almost makes me wonder. I want. I I wonder, Brian, if you're listening, um, I would like if you could let me know, just because I'm curious, are there any rules about um, like people who have worked on games competing with those games, like developers? Uh, do you think that there's um, like any sort of, I, I don't know, unfair advantage or anything like that? I'm curious to know if, if that's a thing or not. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, he's not a developer, obviously, so this wouldn't apply to him. I'm just saying sure, like, sure. If, if a developer, somebody who actually like wrote the game wanted to play it. Um, do you, is, is there any, are there any rules towards that? I'm just curious, but, uh, but yeah, definitely don't see this kind of thing often. Yeah. I, I, I actually kind of wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of this. And personally, from a, a PR perspective, I think it, that's a great way for companies to generate PR. As long as they're not interfering in any way, there's no money hats out there or, or people's, uh, victories are being bought. Then I think it's kind of a fun way for people to generate press. And just another example of how Nintendo seems to do strange things, whether this was a Nintendo sanctioned thing or whether he just said, I'm going to do this. And Nintendo saw an opportunity to get bored, get on board with it. 
I guess we'll see in the coming weeks as it uh, kind of unfolds. So I don't know. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Uh, clever, uh, clever marketing ploy, clever strategy from Nintendo, or just a happenstance that Bill Trennan is going to be participating. Either way, kind of neat. Definitely. All right, moving on to number four. Um, Splatoon's been a big hit. Nintendo wasn't so sure going out of the gate that it was going to be a very big hit at all. Um, so, to, to give you guys an idea, Splatoon has sold a million copies um, worldwide. Um, Satoru Iwata said that initially they weren't so sure it was going to do very well. Um, anybody who doesn't follow Nintendo very well, Nintendo doesn't have a particularly... Uh, Great track record with taking risks on their software, their first-party software. Great risks with the hardware, not so great with the software. This is their first new IP in 14 years since Pikmin. <laughs> if you don't count things like Wii, Muse, or Wii, Wii Music, Wii Fit, and Wii Sports. Um, kind of hard to believe it's been that long yeah. between IPs, but when you really think about what they put out, every system, Mario, Zelda, Donkey yeah. Kong, Star yeah. Fox, Metroid, Pikmin, you know. Uh, and a couple of other little things in between. Um, I was one of those people that really, really championed the cause of this game and its existence because, to me, Nintendo's biggest flaw is not taking more risks with their software. I'll agree with that. Um, So uh, there was a quote uh, that came out of the shareholder meeting that they had this week, which I'll have another story for you from that shareholder meeting later on in the show. Um, he said, as some of you may have seen, the TV commercials we have been airing for recently, Splatoon is a brand new title and not a title from an established series. It has a very unique and fantasy-like setting. This game, inspired by Squid Squirting Out Ink, is played by human-shaped characters with squid-like features uh, shooting instead of squirting ink at each other, and the team that paints the widest area in its team's color wins. Having received high recognition from our consumers for its novelty, this title sells, uh, sell-through sales reached a million units in less than a month from its relief uh, release. We feel very grateful for this, since our view was not so optimistic prior to release for it being a non-series title. Um, essentially, you know, he's saying that uh, maybe maybe they had a little stage fright. This is the first uh, first party uh, IP they've put out in 14 years. I think the nervousness just came from. We haven't done this in a long time. Is it going to work? Are people going to care? Are people going to realize it's a first-party Nintendo game? Because typically games that aren't first-party Nintendo titles either find a niche or they die a quiet death. Yeah. The um, you know, I've seen uh, TV commercials for this game. Yeah. Um, they're they're in on uh, aired on Discovery Family. At least they were. Um, you know, around the game's release quite a bit, and um, and I'm sure other channels too. But that's just where I've seen them. But um, you know, the 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 one thing about the commercials is that they 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 managed to do a very good job in the TV commercial of getting across all the information that you need to understand what this game is, you know, understanding that it's, that is basically like a turf war with the, with the pink colors and just that it's, that it's, you know, multiplayer shooter and things like that. And so, you know, I think the marketing for this game was very good is what I'm getting at. And, um, you know, it, uh, it, it probably in the grand scheme of things was one of the, you know, uh, in terms of like a you know a, a big you know like like you know I don't know if, I don't know if Nintendo considers this an A list title, but I think it probably is now. Oh, a million, um, million copies sold of a Nintendo game? Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure we haven't heard the last of Splatoon. I wouldn't be surprised if characters start getting names. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they're getting um, uh, the, the Amiibo. Amiibos now, huh? so yeah, you know, they, they I think that's a much as much of a seal of approval as you're ever going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, it's considering it's predominantly just a 
I say just, but I mean, you know, a, a multiplayer, you know, shooter. Like, I'm not aware of any story mode or anything like that in this game. And so it's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's relatively easy to There develop. is a sort of campaign story mode type thing. Kind of like a, in, a, in of as a, much as like Titanfall has a campaign? Um, a little bit more than that, I oh, think. Oh, okay. I think it's a little bit more of, there's actually a single player component to it. Oh, okay. It's not online, um, if I recall correctly. I got a few minutes of hands-on time with it at a, at a demo kiosk. I immediately want it. it it's, it's fun. Hmm. It's ridiculous fun. Totally new twist on the shooter genre. I can't wait to get my hands on it when I own a Wii U, which I plan to do hopefully by the end of the year. Um, Even though I know that the swirling rumors that NX is going to be announced next year and Wii U is probably going to start, you know, winding down. I don't, there's enough there for me to buy. Anyways, um, Kind of interesting to hear Nintendo get stage fright about putting out a title um, because they usually put everything out with confidence and in their own way. What this says to me don't be afraid to take the risks with the things that you do. This is another example of a game that is original and fun and bright and cool and perfectly at home with the Nintendo aesthetic. Nintendo, I love the stuff you put out now. Please take more risks with your software. Take the kind of risks with your software that you do with your hardware because not only do fans of Nintendo probably really want this, the video game industry needs software risks. Agreed. Completely. Do it. it. Don't be scared. We love you. Um, so, moving on to number three, uh, we promised you guys at home uh, listening that uh, when we had a little bit more information for you on the uh, the story-based Telltale game version of Minecraft, that we would uh, we dish. Oh, we've got some information. A lot of information came flying out this week at Minecon um, for what they're officially calling uh, Minecraft Story Mode. Um, so, we talked about this earlier in the year, uh, I think in the, the, the early first quarter of the year. Um, it's officially gotten a title now, Minecraft uh, Story Mode. Still very little details about how it's going to play. Is it going to be like Minecraft where you can just run around the world and build things and take things apart? I think that's kind of risky with the story game. But I can't see Minecraft people wanting to play it if it doesn't. Maybe right. it's just a way for people who like the aesthetic and want a story mode to get into it. Hard to say. Um, they put out a trailer with it. Charlie and I took a second to watch the trailer together. How would you feel about that? Um, it is a lot more compelling than I expected it to be. And I only say that because it's Minecraft, not because it's Telltale. Um, I, I pretty much, for me, Telltale pretty much has a blanket. Um, like, like if Telltale says they're going to do something, I just kind of assume it's going to be good because they put out excellent work so far. Um, but, uh, you know, when you take something that is, well, I mean, when you take, when, when you basically say we're going to come out with story mode, which is literally what it's called for Minecraft, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's uh, that uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people were just like, you're going to do what now? <laughs> and so, um, you know, but uh, after having watched the trailer, um, it is a lot more compelling than I expected it to be. It looks like um, I mean, it, there's there's story. There's I mean, like it's cinematic, like it's it's not Minecraft at all. Like, no. you know, it's it's you have Minecraft looking characters in a Minecraft looking world doing Minecraft looking things. But I mean, this looks yeah. like. I don't, I don't, I mean, this, this looks like a Pixar movie, like it in, does. In, in terms it of does. like how it's filmed and like how it's, how it's put together. So, I mean, like, and, that, and I say that in the best way possible. Well, some of what they had to say about it, since they've been so tight lipped about what it could possibly be is that, uh, it's going to be a, a narrative driven story, which we did kind of hear a little bit about that early on. And while they're going to be familiar themes surrounding the series, it's going to be an entirely original experience and, uh, independent from the, uh, core game that we're used to. Um, it's going to have new characters. Um, all of it, of course, inspired by Minecraft. And players are going to be taking control of a character named Jesse, um, who's going to be the story's main protagonist. 
Uh, what's interesting about it is that uh, Jesse is going to be voiced by Patton Oswalt. Really? Yeah. All right. Wasn't expecting that. Now that I think about it, listening to the trailer, though, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so they're saying that Jesse and his group of friends revere the legendary Order of the Sword. Um, Order of the Stone, excuse me. Four adventurers who slay an ender dragon. Uh, the Order are the very best at what they do. Warrior, redstone engineer, griefer, and architect. And while at Endercon, uh, Jesse and his friends... So there's a con within the game, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> Jesse and his friends discover that something is wrong. Uh, something dreadful. Um, terror is unleashed, and they must set out on a journey to find the Order of the Stone if they are to save their world from oblivion. Um, part of what makes this interesting is the cast for the game. Um, cast is going to include Patton Oswalt, Brian Potion, Ashley Johnson, Scott Porter, Martha Plimpton, Dave Finoy... Corey Feldman, Billy West, and Paul Rubens. Really? Yeah. That's, of all people. That's a pretty good roster. They did say that this is not the entire cast either. Really? So we'll see. Wow. Um, we're going to be coming on board for different episodes, they're saying. So right. um, they put out a press release that said, we've worked closely with the amazing team at uh, Mo Yang, which I found out that is the actual way to say the company's name. Really? Mo Yang. Yeah. To ensure the story is a natural fit for the Minecraft world fans already know and love. As Jesse players will steer their own path through a tale of adventure and survival, all brought to life life by an all-star cast. Through Telltale's choice-based gameplay and story spanning from the nether to the farlands, the end and beyond, we can't wait for fans to explore this new take on the beloved world of Minecraft. And that came from uh, Kevin Bruner, the CEO and co-founder of uh, Telltale Games. So they're saying it is going to be like a typical Telltale experience built with the aesthetic of Minecraft is essentially what they're saying. I'm sure there'll be some sort of mini game esque puzzle solving something mm-hmm. Minecraft ish in there, you know, to, you know, to, cause I think if there wasn't, I think those fans would be upset. Like just something, I mean like clearly you're not going to be playing Minecraft in this, but yeah, some sort of crafting building, some sort of, some I sort of activity. I will say this yeah. though. Um, if they don't find a way to build story mode into the actual Minecraft game or tie it in there, maybe if they could find a way to link it, that would be brilliant because then you're giving people a story mode and then letting them go into the little world and build whatever they want. Hmm. I think that so would be like, a cool thing. So like the, the sets and like areas, um, like the worlds that are in story mode, you would want to see like officially released so, so people could play in normal Minecraft? No, what I would like for them to see is like <clears throat> when you start up a Minecraft game, you can pick like survival mode or sandbox mode. I would love for them to find a way to package it so that one of the selection options is story mode and when you go to story mode this is what you get oh so oh it's just it's just a link basically using it as a, a launch pad okay through the actual game that i mean like the, it's a missed opportunity if they don't for yeah. installed base for minecraft fans and maybe minecraft fans will be pissed that they can't run around and tear things up and build things and take them apart but i think it would be a great introduction to the world for people who makes, don't know much about it yeah that makes perfect sense the only downside to that being is if the game is more charming than the sort of static world that is minecraft People who play the story mode and then go into the survival or sandbox modes may be like, you're not doing anything. There's no quest. This is stupid. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. Not that anybody on the planet that cares to play Minecraft hasn't already played it anyways. But uh, no, kind of cool, man. Uh, no no details on release date yet. It, the first episode's supposed to be out later this year. And of course, they're planning on putting it out on every fucking platform on uh, the planet. So yep. um, looking forward to that. Uh, more than I thought I would be after the trailer. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. With that um, statement completely. More details as it comes up. If we get anything else for you, we'll uh, we'll be glad to share. On that note, I'm going to move on to number two for the week. Um, anybody who's played video games in the last 30 years um, has probably at some point in time come across, across a Mad Cat's peripheral. <laughs> Whether it was a 
cheap ass controller. Uh-huh. Uh poorly molded controller too. They're never comfortable in your hands. Um or some sort of screen protector or case or whatever. Ba- random wacky accessory. Yeah. Anybody in the in the 90s, 80s, 90s, particularly 90s when they sort of came to be a thing, will probably remember their ugly little logo that was like a, a, a an ellipse with mm-hmm. like red claw marks through like as like a yellowish logo that said Mad Cats. Yep. With a Z, of course, cuz it's the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Um Mad Cats came out this week and, and said that they are uh warning of substantial doubts about survival. So to give you a little bit of background, um, Mad Cats was a prominent peripheral company uh, that, that started designing arcade sticks and uh, other accessories for various gaming-related platforms in 1989, so right at the turn into the 90s there. Um, they're saying that they may be, they may be closing um, if income does not increase significantly. So in late June, uh, their corporation offered a warning to investors explaining that it had failed to meet a monthly target that had been implemented as a failsafe by its credit lender, Wells Fargo. Um, because Mad Cats was unable to generate as much money as Wells Fargo, he asked, uh, or had asked, the bank was given the option to call in its loan. Uh, had this occurred, Mad Cats may not have been able to continue going as, uh, as a going concern. Uh, however, on June 23rd, Wells Fargo, uh, waived Mad Cats violation and entered into a new agreement with the corporation that will carry on until July 31st of 2016. Uh, Mad Cats, which has been losing money for three years straight since 2011, said it requires significant contributions from anticipated sales of products related to the rock band for video game. Um, the co-pub uh, mad cats is co-publishing, uh, the harmonics developed title. So they're co-publishing rock. I didn't band realize 4. that. I knew they were making the peripherals. I didn't realize they were, a they are betting it all on black, man. They're wow. letting it ride. So, uh, there's, there's a, <laughs> that's a big deal. And spe- um, and speaking as a guy, that's, that's, I really hoping that they come out with some sort of adapter so I can use my current arsenal of plastic instruments with the new rock band. So I don't have to buy any new instruments. Uh-huh. Um, if they're smart, they'll sell that separate from the game package and make well, some money. <laughs> if they're, if they're, if they're smart, they won't sell that now, yeah, now that yeah. I know this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the company also manufactures arcade boards for street fighter four and street fighter five. So they have like, you know, their, their aftermarket arcade sticks that a lot of uh, players like to use. I don't know. I don't know how well they sell or not. Um, it, it added that the uncertainty surrounding Rock Band 4 sales, along with a number of other factors, raised substantial doubt about the company's ability to continue as a going concern. Um, so they spoke to Game Informer, uh, and, and, and Mad Cats claims that it has overcome a major hurdle by securing a new line of credit. Initially, the company will be loaned $20 million, which could increase to $35 million from, the sep- from September in order to ship Rock Band 4. Um, so Karen McGinnis, the chief financial officer at the company, claimed that part of the reason it's needed uh, to issue a credit warning was because of the necessity to use unequivocal language in financial documents. So legal stuff. She claims that the reality of the situation is far more nuanced and positive. <laughs> so for the financial year that ended in March 2015, Mad Cats posted a net income of $4.7 million. That ain't nothing, you know. Representatives for the corporation were unavailable to uh, to d- discuss it further beyond what they were willing to talk to Game Informer about. Um Let's be fair. Almost everybody that's purchased Mad Cat's peripheral has probably either taken it back within the first week of purchase <laughs> or found that it broke within a couple of weeks. They they make really cheap stuff. Yeah, because that 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 number you just mentioned, you said income, not profit, right? Income, not yeah. profit. So they were very careful with their words there. Yeah. Um, so that kind of doesn't mean anything. That means my, people are buying your stuff. That doesn't mean that they're profiting at all. I have a blue Nintendo sixty four controller. Um. That I bought 
It's a Mad Cat's product at the kind of like around the time that they were really kind of in the height of their prominence. Mm-hmm. Bought it because it was cheaper than buying a licensed Nintendo controller. Right. The thumbstick broke three days after I bought it. <laughs> Toys R Us wouldn't take it back. I was probably 17, 16, 17 years old. I was pissed. I decided right then and there, just buy licensed products. <laughs> um, but I had purchased little things over the years, cases from like my Game Boy Advance and stuff like that, that served their purpose fine. They sure. make some products better than others, but really eh, not a very great product they're turning out. Was really surprised to hear that they are uh, co-publishing Rock Band 4. So, wow, that I'm, I'm currently dealing with the thought that Rock Band 4 would not be happening if it were not for Mad Cats. So that's that's kind of weird to wrap my head around. That is entirely possible, as weird yeah. as it sounds. So if any of you out there, whether it's for the nostalgia of a company that's been around and servicing you to some varying degree of quality for the last uh, you know 20-plus years, um, if you feel any love for them, buy Rock Band 4. Not just for the sake of buying Rock Band 4, in case you wanted it, but if you weren't sure and you want to save Mad Cats, buy Rock Band 4. Um it's to be determined whether or not I'm going to do that. And I, I reserve judgment for closer to release. But uh, kind of an interesting thing. You don't really hear much about that company these days. I yeah. had actually kind of forgotten they were around, which is maybe part of their problem. Yeah, that's definitely not a name. I don't think I currently own anything by Mad Cats, to be perfectly honest. Um, and yeah, so um, yeah, I will be buying Brock Fan 4. That's already been established. Um, but uh yeah, uh, good luck, Mad Cats, I guess. I mean, yeah, good luck, guys. Yeah. I mean, you always hate to hear people losing their jobs and yep. stuff like that. So hopefully we don't have to do another one of those dour, make me want to drink myself to death, everyone got <laughs> fired stories. We've done enough of those on this show. Enough to last for the rest of the fucking year, please. Yep. God, I'll buy Rock Band just so everybody's not out of the job. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Moving on to number one for the week. Uh, Nintendo boss Iwata uh, says that premium mobile games have not been doing a great job. So we uh, we talked earlier in the year about Nintendo's um, initially uh, uh, surprising and kind of to some people bothersome announcement that they were going to be shifting at least part of their focus to the development of mobile games. Um, mobile gaming can kind of, depending on who you ask, can be kind of a groan-worthy topic. Some people love it. Um, I, I don't think that for traditional gamers, I don't think the majority of people love it. And uh, kind of associate it with a lot of bad feelings and negative tastes um un- unfortunate business unfortunate business Tactics. indeed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they did clarify as we talked about earlier in the show or earlier in the year that um not to not to panic they weren't going to be doing anything distasteful it wasn't going to be a bunch of you know paywalls and you know locked content um you know so during the shareholder meeting that i mentioned uh you know earlier in the episode um Mr. Iwata did uh, did address their shareholders and talk a little bit about their mobile strategies and what they've learned from being in part of that that part of the business. Um, so he said that uh, Nintendo could release both paid and free games on mobile because different payment systems suit different kinds of software. Um, but in the Q and A portion of the session with investors, uh, he acknowledged that quote games with a one time payment system have not been doing a great job on smart devices. So for those of you who may not understand the statement. Um, there aren't a lot of games out there who do a pay one price, pay one time, and get everything with the game. Those games don't do very well on mobile, which is why everybody on there is doing the um, free-to-play model, which is never free-to-play, um, or locking it behind a lot of ad space, or whatever it is that they're doing and yep. trying. Um, it's become a, a test ground for all kinds of weird marketing strategies. Um, but he's saying that the the tests that they're doing on just pay one price, play it forever, 
no ads, no paywalls, no timer related things or energy walls. It says it's not doing well. Um, so they're working with, if any of you guys have seen this, this, uh, company, uh, DNA, which is a stylized spelling of a uppercase D lowercase E and then a capital N a looks like Dina. It's DNA. Um, they're partnered with them. So whenever you see those games published, Nintendo probably either has a hand in it or is likely using them as a feedback source for what to do, what not to do since they're just getting into the market. Um, Nintendo says they're going to primarily focus on free games. Um, but they're saying that they're not going to call them free-to-play games. Nintendo is trying to change the perception of the free-to-play model and the way that it's done. Um, Iwata was uh, quoted as saying, We do not want to use the free-to-play terminology that implies that you can play games free of charge. Instead, we're using the term free-to-start. As this term more aptly describes, that at the beginning, you can start to play for free. Now, I've already seen this on my 3DS. There's There's a title on there. That you can download for free called Stretchmo, which is like a little 3D puzzle game with a fluffy, cute character that's made out of marshmallow fluff. Um, and I thought it was peculiar when I saw before downloading that it was free to start. I felt like that was pretty honest because I knew immediately that they were just going to give me probably a couple sample levels. I think it was like five or six levels. And then they said, hey, congratulations, we're going to give you a bonus sixth level. Um, if you like the game, download it. If you don't, well, okay. Um, it was pretty honest. It wasn't bothersome. It wasn't tacky and they were pretty upfront about it. So I didn't feel bothered by it. Um, I feel like they're being more honest with this than the free to play model. So I see what they're saying. It's certainly a more tactful way to do the free to play thing, but essentially it's kind of the same thing. The problem with this approach is that, um, there's no good way to communicate that to the average, you know, smart device owner. Um, is, you know, because when, when you, when, you know, they can put that text free to start in like the description of the app, but it's going to look like every other free to play game that's out there. There, there's, there's no way that you can filter the app store, like to only look for these, these kinds of games, for example. Um, so, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how well this is going to pan out. They seem like they're being really cautious with it because Mm -hmm. he, he did go on to say, that what he's afraid of is that Nintendo might shift to this notorious business model that asks a small number of people to pay excessive amounts of money to support that game, essentially, and that Nintendo's brand image might be hurt by it. So he does at least acknowledge sure. that they don't want Nintendo to become video game slumlords like everybody else in the, the free-to-play gaming world, because that's really what it is. It's the free-to-play gaming is the, the, the poor white trash of the video gaming world. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, so I, I, I was curious, and so I pulled up my iPad, and I looked up um, DNA Corporation. Live Googling. Or, yeah, or, or DNA, sorry, you got to say it right, DNA Corporation. And they currently have 21 apps mm-hmm. on, um, on, on their roster. And um, some of the ones you guys may recognize, um, uh, the most popular one here is um, Goddess, Godis, I, I'm not, still not sure how to pronounce it. But um, this is a game that is free with in-app purchases. Um, and with 2,002 ratings on the current version, is at four and a, it looks like four and a quarter stars, which is pretty good. Um, they have a couple Transformers games. They um, did Star Wars Galactic Defense, uh, Marvel Mighty Heroes, Final Fantasy Record Keeper, 
um, and several other games that um, that that I recognize and are, are are big, you know, first party titles. Now I don't know how many, if any, Nintendo had anything to do with, but at least as far as this particular publisher is concerned, um, they are definitely experienced in this. Yeah, yeah, they've got some games that you see and are. are I mean, I recognize the brand name. I don't own any of their games, but I've seen it. I knew what it was, yeah. um, you know, and, and was surprised to hear that Nintendo was partnered with them because they've been very quiet about that. Yeah. Looking at this roster, there's, there's, there's only one game out of these 21 that has lower than an average three-star rating, and that's Pocket Gridiron and yeah. sports, so whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so here, here's my take on this. Um, so the reason why I think that having a pay-once-get-the-game approach is for the most part not as successful as these other as these other methods. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it basically boils down to is um, the it's it's almost at the point now where you can like take like a six month online course, maybe shorter, maybe longer, depending on how how you know how quick of a learner you are in this kind of thing and then any joe can make a game and, and put it on the app store you know the, right you know pay the hundred dollar whatever it is developer fee anybody can make games now yeah these yeah. markets are so saturated and there's very little put in place to prevent clones yeah, and sure, and sure. copycats and things like that mm-hmm. so you know no standards yeah and so you know somebody may make like the greatest game in the world and they say i'm going to charge five bucks for this which i mean really at the end of the day i mean you know, I've always looked at this kind of thing as like, you know, you went you went out and you bought a probably minimum one or two hundred dollar phone. You know, that's as much as you'd spend on a 3DS or a Vita or whatever. And, you know, it's with, you know, the games for those systems. You know, I'm sure I know they've got like their 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 PS, you know, the little the pocket games, and like the little cheapy stuff. But for sure. the most part, you know, you've got games that, you know, are 20, 30 bucks, you know, so five bucks for a game. That is, you know, if it's reviewed well, I mean, that's that's nothing. But the problem is that as soon as somebody puts out a game and it's reviewed well and people start to flock to it, other people will start to make clones of that game mm-hmm. and put it in the app store with keywords to get it to show up Countless with the first game. Countless Flappy Bird clones. Countless Five Nights at Freddy's clones. Yep. They're everywhere. And when random, when random consumer goes to look for this game or happens to come across a ver- via search or whatever and they see oh this game's five dollars oh but this game looks pretty much like the same thing and it's free you know and it's um i think that's where the problem is now the x factor here is that we are talking about nintendo as soon as somebody sees nintendo's name on something i think i think that their research right now is 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 good but it's not gonna be there, there's no way that they can properly model or or predict what's going to happen when an actual Nintendo product hits mobile platforms because it's, it's, it, it, the name Nintendo being on it having you know uh, you know I know that they said that they're not going to be you know doing a lot of like their 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 big roster they're going to be doing like other things mm-hmm. but should we see a Mario game on there I mean all bets are off. Sure. Any of this current research that they had is going to be almost worth nothing because that Nintendo name is a monolithic X factor. I appreciate so. that they're concerned though about right. not taking that ye old quality, a uh, seal of quality that we're used to seeing on Nintendo products. If it's a first party thing, I'm I'm glad that they're taking serious the concept of not just cashing in on the Nintendo name and damaging their reputation or their characters. Oh, absolutely agree. That. That's something that I you don't see very often. Right. 
and and I've had my beef with Nintendo. I know I talk a lot more about Nintendo lately than I had been, but it's because I have a Nintendo system, a new Nintendo system, and I'm digging into it. But I had my beef, to, to be clear, two or three years ago. When, when the Wii wasn't out, I wanted nothing to do with it. For the same reason I don't care for mobile gaming sometimes, because the Wii wall was a sea of trash you mm-hmm. had to sift through to find a decent game. And Wii U doesn't have that problem. I think it's a much better system that's been overshadowed by the success of the Wii, which is unfortunate. But I spent most of the Wii's life cycle making fun of it and Nintendo for still putting... I was like, fucking Nintendo, you put out <laughs> six fucking games a console cycle and then you make me wait another like four years to get another one and then you put out another system and you are you won't get my money anymore, you shysters. Think of something new, you dumbasses. And then the video game industry... Uh, turned into such shit in the last three years that I was like, Nintendo looks great. <laughs> Maybe they're putting out six games, but at least they're finished. At least they don't have huge day one patches, and at yep. least they're consistently entertaining. Yep. So somehow, um, the industry lowered the bar enough that it raised Nintendo <laughs> back to a point where I, I have come to reappreciate and love Nintendo. So I don't want anybody thinking think that I'm, I'm just riding the Nintendo fanboy hype train. It's, it's really within the last like 10 months that I've really started to appreciate Nintendo again. Thanks for ruining the game industry 2014. Um, <laughs> Here, here's the point that I was trying to make. And yeah. it's, it's, I, you know, the, the people who are, you know, who are doing this marketing research and everything are much more smarter about this and much more knowledgeable than I am. So, I mean, my opinion is worth whatever it's worth, but my, my perception on the matter is that I don't think that they should be as afraid to go with the pay one price you own the game model as they seem to be because I no, just, it'll sell yeah well. and they've got a history obviously with the 3ds or the dual screen and and you know the the current you know gamepad for the wii u they've got a pretty comfortable track record with touchscreen related application yep you know if anybody's going to find a smart way to make a touchscreen successful for a nintendo product nintendo will do it yeah you know i but i really do appreciate that they're thinking about putting out quality so um he went on to say, uh, please understand that Nintendo is going to make its proposals by taking into consideration what Nintendo really should do with this new challenge. So they're taking it seriously. They're getting outside help, which is smart. Um, and, and to give you an idea, um, of besides Stretchmo, um, which I saw in there, um, there have been a couple of like little examples in the non-mobile gaming world for them um, to avoid manipulating monetization practices. Okay? Um, Anybody who's played Pokemon Rumble, uh, Rumble World for the 3DS, I, I like this personally. There is a hard limit of real-world cash that can be spent on that game of $40, hmm. which oh. is the total cost of the game. So you can spend chunks, bits, pieces here, and but once you spend to the $40 limit or the, the cap for the price of the retail cost of the game, that's it. You don't have to pay anymore, and you get access to everything. Oh, my God, that's brilliant. I love that's that. Smart way to do that's it. That's awesome. Yeah, um, absolutely. Killer Instinct has kind of done that. You know, you okay. can unlock everything in the game. It's oddly, it's a very silent free-to-play model, sort of similar to that. But uh, yes, do that. Yeah, everybody do that. That's to me so far the best representation of how to piecemeal a game out to people and still not insult the shit out of them or their wallet. Give give the depth of the content a, a, a price cap based on its value. Yeah, please and, and value in relation to its bigger cousins, and then do that. You know, you'll find success. You'll get people who spend a bunch of money until they hit the cap and they'll be happier for it and they'll trust you and want to buy your products. I am on board. Stop robbing people or they're going to get angry. Stop taking advantage of people. That's true. I guess if you're dumb enough to spend money on a microtransactions up into the hundreds or even thousands of dollars, then maybe there's something wrong with your brain. 
But uh, having said that, uh, that's going to do it for the news this week. So uh, let's move on and talk about completely different implementation of video games on mobile platforms. So this week, uh, John and I were trying to find a topic that we could talk about um, that, that we both had a lot of experience with, both uh, in the positive and the negative. And uh, we came across the uh, we came upon the topic of um, companion apps, mobile apps. And uh, so what do we mean when we say companion app? So basically, it's some sort of app that runs on a mobile platform, uh, Android, iOS, so on and so forth, that um, interacts with a f- typically a full featured, uh, you know, full size console game in, in some fashion. Um we're also including uh, like smart glass impl- implementation and um, any any second screen experience like that. Yes, usually designed to supplement a uh, a full fledged game. Oftentimes, um, ends up diuretically crapping all over your game experience. <laughs> so I have on my side of things. Um, I'll start with my experience with uh, the companion app for Mass Effect Three. Um, did you, you played Mass Effect, right? I did. One of the, one of the few companion apps I skipped. Okay. I, I just didn't, I mean, I've probably played every other fucking companion app on the <laughs> planet, but I just didn't, didn't, I didn't feel like I needed it. Yeah. Well, and, and, that, and see, that's one of the things I, I think are, are the companion apps that do their job the best are the ones that are not required and just, just provide an, an added interaction. Like any, you know, I've run into a couple of situations. It seems like there have been some situations where you absolutely had to play the companion app to like unlock certain content or like, you know, gain access to certain things. And, you know, it's like I understand what they're trying to do there. But, um, you know, it's it's when you force it down gamers throats, I think, is where a lot of the problems come into play. But I digress. Um, so with the Mass Effect 3 app, basically, um, if you haven't played the game. <laughs> The, um, the, the, the gist of the, I mean, this is, I mean, we're talking about Mass Effect, so I'm really oversimplifying here, but, um, the, one of the you know, main things that's happening is, um, that they're, you know, that the, that the intelligent and, and aligned, uh, species in the universe are being attacked by this invading force. And, um, so the, so what the app is, has to do with what they call the, your galactic readiness level. And so, um, what this had to do with is that in the app, it was it was super simple, but it was it was the way it was done was 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 done very well in that it did not take a lot of time and effort and energy. You just kind of had to remember to do it every so often, and it even sent you like push notifications to let you know when certain things were ready to do. But you basically um, performed very simple actions in this app, um, managing like a fleet of ships and sending them out to different planets to do various things, and. Uh, with the goal of increasing your galactic readiness percentage, um, and you know it was it was it was like a very oversimplified game of risk, and you know just moving to various. Uh, um, some people are gonna, probably going to yell at me for that analogy, but that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, in in moving to various territories and like you know uh, you know uh, you know performing your actions to um, you know, to, to get your percentage up and so on and so forth. Anyways. Um, so the, the way that this impacted the, the full version of Mass Effect three is basically, it didn't even, it, none of this mattered until you basically went to go off and like the last set of missions for the game. And if your galactic readiness percentage was high enough, then you would have more resources available to you. And like, you know, the end of the ending of the game would be easier for you because the idea is that, you know, the galactic was more, you know, the galaxy was more ready. I mean, as the name would imply, um, 
And so, you know, this is one of the apps, companion apps that I liked, because like I said, it was super simple. It didn't require like a lot of time commitment, but just enough to like keep you interested. And, um, you know, just like throughout the day, like you can, you know, you could hit it on like your, you know, your little breaks of work or whatever. And, um, you know, just, uh, you know, just, just the little off time things. Like it, it wasn't like Farmville where I had to sit there and stare at it for long periods of time and like do all this stuff, for example, not that Farmville is like a companion app. I vaguely recall, course. um, this app and, and I, it's not, now that you're talking about it, I wasn't that I wasn't interested in, in participating and using it. Mm-hmm. It's that I, I was pretty, I mean, I was engaged by the story and I, I mean, I could talk a whole episode about my grievances with Mass Effect 3 in general. Fair enough. But, um, and the things that I liked about it, because I did like, I liked more about it than I disliked. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I I didn't feel like it was, it was necessary. It I wasn't. Didn't, I didn't it feel wasn't. like it was going to give me anything else. I mean, I could see why it would be a good supplement to, you know, like you're just enthralled in this universe and you need that extra something. Yeah. And, um, but... I, I remember now that I'm thinking about it and you refreshed my memory on what it was, I just found myself going, I, d- I don't care. Yeah. I just and, didn't care. And that's the thing too. It's that um, you you did things in the game as well to increase your galactic readiness percentage. And so basically you, um, if you, d- if you basically did everything that there was to do in the game, if you went on like every single like little side mission and things mm-hmm. like that, then you really didn't need the app. Um, and you, well, rather you didn't need the, the galactic readiness boost that the app gave you if you did everything else in the game. But for the kind of game player that only was interested in like doing the main story and like the stuff that was required and they're, they're not, they're not big about side quests. They're not big about that other stuff. This was an alternative way for them to, you know, make the ending of the game easier for them. Sure. Sure. So it wasn't, it, it absolutely was not necessary at all, which I think is one of the things that did right, to be honest. Um, well, it certainly didn't, uh, it certainly didn't commit any of the, the, the cardinal sins of video game companion apps that had sprung up subsequently after it. Because for a lot of people who, who may or may not remember, um, the when video game companion apps started popping up, it was a very exciting prospect mm-hmm. of a way to extend your game beyond uh, the game itself to kind of keep your fascination with it moving. Um, very promising start to the idea of it. And companion apps like that may not be terribly interesting, but they don't do any of the offensive things that that have come to kind of be a problem with companion apps. Uh, we just got done at the end of uh, you know news talking about some of the trashy things that um, you know free to play gaming and mobile games do. This is a crossover example of how that affected mobile gaming apps and companion apps, and you started to see a lot of the bad habits from that seep in. And you started seeing a lot of bad trends come. I anybody who's been listening to the show since I started has, have heard me bitch extensively about the Assassin's Creed Unity app, um, which was not a terrible idea, but the execution was both terrible and had every, with the exception of just like the free to play model itself, but all of the time walls and uh, um, energy walls, quote energy wall, that keep people from being able to play the app or extending it for weeks at a, at a time. Um, was an absolute waste of a human being's life. I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could get that. It took me months to finish the app, and then when I finished it, it didn't unlock the shit it was supposed to unlock. It was broken to boot. Wow. Um. One. Not. Not one of the worst. The single worst app. Exp- like companion app experience I've had to date, and one that was bad enough that until I hear proof positive in the future that this app not only works as it should. 
but it's not a waste of time or insulting the way that that one was. I have no intention to play companion apps until they reach a point where they're not jerking people around. Not even just Assassin's Creed companion apps. You mean none at all? <clears throat> uh, not not terribly. Really? Uh, that okay. one that one burned my ass enough that I really just I'm, I've been put off of them for the moment at least. All right. Um, I mean, they did one for Assassin's Creed 4, but that was an extension of the little uh, send your ships out to battle and collect uh, money mini games that they had. Um, and there, there was nothing wrong with that one. Again, I didn't find it necessary, so I just didn't play it, but there was nothing wrong with that. I was okay, okay with that. The um, Another one of the experiences that I had that I found to be positive was um, the, the smart glass integration, integration for uh, Dead Rising 3. Um, did you play this game at all? Um, I, I played, I have it, I, I played it, but that's another companion app I skipped. Okay. Um, I didn't finish it, to be honest. I liked it, but it just, I, there was something off about it to me. I don't okay. Know. No, fair enough. Um, the, yeah, I haven't finished it either, to be clear, but, um, the, I got far enough into it where I got, um, you know, I got some experience with the, with the, with the companion app. And see, this is, this is another thing that I like. It's like with smart glass apps, um, for those of you who aren't familiar, um, so w- with with smart glass integration basically all you have to do is on your whatever your mobile platform is you download just the smart glass app which basically acts as like a remote control and and slash mobile store and things like that for uh for the xbox uh, one platform uh or the 360 but um the uh the the way that their app integration works is that you bring up the smart glass app and you have it running when you start for in this example, dead rising three or whatever the smart glass enabled game is. And then the app will then load and run on its own kind of automatically on the side on mm-hmm. in, you know, it just sort of, it, it, it kind of does its own thing. Like you, there was no dead rising three app to go out and download. Sure. Um, you know, you know, that's just the way the smart glass works, which I, I think, you know, with the ones that have done it right, and Dead Rising Three being an example, I think is the best example of a companion app because it's not the kind of thing that you have to. It doesn't take up your time and energy and focus away. It just enhances the game. Yeah, while you're actually playing yeah. the game, it's not you, the thing you, you have spoke to do. Kind of off highly on the side. of the, the Watch Dogs companion app too, for the most part, didn't you? If I recall correctly. Um. No. <laughs> actually, no. No. Was I bad. Um. It's. Eh. So the so that that's kind of a, that's kind of a different thing. the 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 way the Watchdogs companion app was is um it was the same kind of thing. But um I'm trying to remember the the one thing I remember that it did was um there's uh did you play Watchdogs, John? I don't remember. No, I, I've played it, but okay. I don't own it, and I have not played it extensively. So what what I did speak highly of was the multiplayer integration into Watchdogs, and as much as um you know it's uh you know when 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 you Everybody always saw themselves as playing as the main character, Aiden Pierce. But um, John, so John, let's say you and I were mm-hmm. were you know we were both playing, and one of us decided that we were going to uh, you know to to do one of these um, um, fixer missions, is what they call them. A fixer is basically sure. a, a hacker for hire. Um, and so I would go into your game, and so I would see me. So like, let's say my mission was is that I had to basically uh, steal your data. So I had to like hack your phone and then I had to have you not find me while this was happening for a period of time. Mm -hmm. So I would see myself as Aiden Pierce and I would see your character as just random civilian, but you would see yourself as Aiden Pierce and you, you know, the game would just say like, you're being hacked by a random fixer. And so it was just, it was very cleverly done in that, 
you know, you're, you're never playing as random civilian. You're always playing as Aiden Pierce. It's just from my point of view, I'm Aiden Pierce hacking a fixer. And from your point of view, you're Aiden Pierce being hacked by a so fixer. So it was at least a more thoughtful design than some of the other yeah. mobile apps and companion well, apps. Well, well, so none of that had anything to do with mobile. The mobile side of it was as on one of the other mission types was that um, there was a, they just, I think it was called like mobile challenge. And that's, it was a, it was a driving basically kind of mission. And one person would be uh, the person playing on the console would be escaping from, you know, the from the, you know, the, the, the you know, the law enforcement and the per- person playing on mobile would have an interface where that they could um, direct helicopters and police cars and um, and set off, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the steam vents and the traffic lights, and the other various hacking things you could do in order to uh, in order to catch the player or to, you know, it, you know usually there was like a time limit, like, you know, avoid detection for so long or it was like a race course. You had to make it to the end of the race course without being you know, within the time limit kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the mobile, you know, the person playing on mobile, it would just have like a top down like map interface. And they would say like, put a helicopter here, put a police car here. And of course they had a, you know, a, a limit to, they had like a, uh, you know, like an energy meter so that you couldn't just keep throwing shit at the player. Like, you know, you had to like build up, you know, uh, you know, enough resources to be able to send out a police car and things like that. Sure. But sure. Anyway. So, so I remember that from the, from the mobile app, but um, I don't, you know, I, frankly, if there was any actual integration with the main game, I don't recall it. Dead rising three um, was well done in that. Um, it's like I say, it was a companion smart glass app. So you only ever touched it when you were actually playing the console game. And it was cool because you would basically get, additional mission content like bonuses like you basically people would call you on your phone mm-hmm. like the idea is that you know like i'm running on an ipad so it kind of you know breaks breaks uh breaks theme a little bit there but for people who are running the smart glass app on their phone it's almost like somebody was calling you on your phone oh that's cool and then so you would you would press the button on the screen and you would answer quote unquote answer your phone and somebody would be calling you like asking for help with something or saying like hey i'm tracked over here can you come get me and so it was um you know they they, they took the fact that most people were going to be running this on a cell phone and kind of made it more more appropriate. So again, even if even if people didn't like the the app, it was at least more thoughtful in its design yes. and, and was not trying to insult people yes. with the way that it was integrated, which is good. I mean, and there are there are other companion apps out there that 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 do this in that integrate in ways that might be useful but maybe aren't as um creative as that i mean mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of companion apps out there are like the battlefield and the call of duty and even titanfall has an app where you can log into it link it to your account and track your stats your kill death ratio um and all the other crazy stats that come with it um right. which it, it can be useful for some people you know i don't particularly i'm not a stats guy when it comes to first person shooters even though i enjoy them a lot especially right. online um but um i mean even uh Destiny has a, a fairly useful companion app um, that I haven't played Destiny in a long time. Um, I was at a conversation about three weeks ago with my brother-in-law, and he still actively plays Destiny, does all this dailies, the poor foolish bastard. Um, <laughs> I, I, he was asking what kind of gear I had, and I couldn't remember because it's been so long since I played it. So I was like, oh, shit, I still have the app installed on my phone. Let me just log into it, and I'll show you. I showed him, and we were kind of talking. He's like, oh, this is all actually still pretty usable for where you're at, even though you haven't played it in a long time. And so right there was a useful example of an app I did not intend to open again, but had it there and used it and engaged a conversation. That was not an intrusive way um, for that app to function. So in, that, so in the Destiny Companion app, there's no gameplay there. It's there's no gameplay. It's stats, and then right. um, I bitched about the grimoire cards, which are basically like little cards you collect by doing things in the game that unlock 
lore and story related things. So you can kind of read those as you go. And so it's kind of neat. It's almost like a, um, like a, a um, a dictionary, mm-hmm. uh, of, of collected information on the universe, you know, or a thesaurus, I guess of information on the, the universe. So that's kind of ha- helpful in a way. And they put any of their announcements, patch notes, news, you know, there's like a, a multi-page thing. It's like a little dashboard for everything at destiny. Not a bad app, not offensive. Um, it was poorly designed when they launched it and they have fixed it and it worked fine when I looked at it a few weeks ago. Cool. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Um, a good example of an app that works really well, a companion app that works really well for a game that unfortunately a lot of people don't play right now. Uh, DC universe online. Hmm. I'm an MMO guy. You're not, we've talked about that a lot on the show. Um, DC Universe Online is a pretty unique MMO. It's actually one of the better ones because it's story-based and it's fun and it's not a massive time sink like a lot of them. Um, they have a similar to Destiny. They have a mobile app that lets you connect with like their forums and talk to people. Like You can type up and talk to people in their forums and any of the communities that are related to the game, um, news-related things there, check out stats and look at your gear and stuff like that. So useful, simple but useful applications that aren't offensive or intrusive. I can't think of a companion app that's been entirely successful outside of um, those simple, non-intrusive ones. Can you think of a companion app that's been like, oh, man, I, looked at, I, I wouldn't have wanted to play the game without it? No, I can't think of anything quite to that level. I know that a lot of people that played uh, Grand Theft Auto V use the companion app on that quite a bit. Um I, I, I think I've, I, 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 I at least, it seemed to me that was the way because of the people that I knew that they were playing Grand Theft Auto V, I knew that there were several people who were using the app on that. Um, and because it was, I don't think it was, it was all like stupid stuff. Like you could, you could get uh, the dog, you could like teach a dog tricks and it was just like, it was, it was fun and just like, not at all like, you know, like, like you say, like insulting to the player. Like it was just, it was just a stupid add on, you know, it's Rockstar, you know, but um um I, I no I'm not aware of anything that's even remotely close to like a must, a must do experience. I did I have think. the the iFruit yes, companion yes, app. That was it, um, which worked fine from a design perspective. Um, but I shut push notifications off for that, and I kept getting them. Oh. So I uninstalled it and reinstalled it and did it again, and it kept doing it. Oh. So I finally uninstalled it because it pissed me off. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if they have subsequently fixed those problems since then. But I haven't really gone back to check it out. And you guys listening at home know we love Grand Theft Auto V, online or otherwise. Um, so it wasn't anything to ruin the game for me, um, but uh, certainly something they could have fixed. Yeah. Um, I would say that it's it's. I guess, I guess we should really separate these all these things that we're talking about into kind of two categories. There's the companion apps. You know that that you play away from the game. That that's like an app unto itself. And then there's, I guess, the second screen experiences are kind of are kind of altogether different. Um, you know, which is what I'm talking about with like Dead Rising, and um, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, and um, the well, I, I guess uh, Watch Dogs. You could kind of you weren't at the console, but whatever. Um, so <laughs> I, I guess um, you know, I guess it's kind of like two completely different things, or like or like the you know just the mobile just like the maps and inventory and things like that, I guess are also kind of second screen experiences. They're not, you know, well, I mean, then it gets fuzzy, but, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I definitely would say that I prefer the second screen experiences the most because they, they yeah. help, they're helpful. They're, they're, they're put there to, you know, give you a way to, you know, access information easier to yeah. things, to see things easier, you know, having, um, you know, for those of us who are lucky enough to have like a tablet or something like that, that we can put next to us and be able to see like, you know, stats for those of you who care about that kind of thing or like a map, map or inventory, is such a useful thing. Yeah. I mean like that's, that's awesome. Um, it's, but it's like, you know, with the kind of thing you're talking about with like, uh, you know, with your experience with like the Assassin's Creed where it's like a whole, 
it's like a whole stupid app onto itself for you know whatever reason. Um, you know yeah. that that's kind of a different uh, different thing altogether. I, I do think that eventually somebody's going to find a good application for these things or the right formula of things to put into a game where. Not not the second screen experience, because I do feel like some people do that well. Nintendo does it really well. We talked about that with Mario Party 10. Um, I do feel like somebody's going to find the right combination eventually, but a lot of what people need to, to keep in mind and bear in mind is, is that a lot of the decisions that these companies make in terms of, of putting out the ones that have bad habits are perpetuated by your willingness to download use them and not provide them with any feedback on it. People threw a huge fit over the Assassin's Creed Unity app and Ubisoft is not doing one for Syndicate because sure. it actually hurt their reputation. Yep. Um, stop downloading broken things. Stop perpetuating broken things. Stop perpetuating things that take money from you. Stop perpetuating things that absorb your time undeservedly. Um, I'm about to get really eloquent with it here, so bear with me. Um, <laughs> If a company walks up to you and farts in your mouth, you're going to make a stink face. But if you keep letting them fart in your mouth, then everyone's going to know you just like having fart mouth. <laughs> All right? So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to file that one away for later use. That, good, I, I like that. Look, man, uh, I like that. Sometimes the most direct direct examples are the ones <laughs> that make the biggest impact. I'm sorry that I talked about fart mouth, but stop letting people yeah, fart it, in your it, mouth. It was it was necessary. Um, at at the very least, um, if you do run into these experiences, I mean, like especially when you're talking about free to play things that that uh, you know rate them properly in the app stores because you know at least at least so that others can you can you can add to helping others be aware yes. that this is that it is the the garbage that you think it is. True story. Um, by the way, it is not Fourth of July, but yeah. uh, there are there are apparently some neighbors of ours that that are are, are setting off their. Uh, they're extras. They're remnants. So, yeah. <laughs> we are we are recording as of as of the recording before the episode releases. We're recording the day after the Fourth of July here. Yep. So uh, if you hear fireworks, um, it's either because the neighbors are setting off fireworks or Charlie's gonna get lucky later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. All right. Um. I think that's uh. We covered everything, John. We covered everything you wanted I, to say. I think on the we did, man. Okay. I let's let's cap it at fart mouth. Because uh, really, there's what else can you do? <laughs> Keep your um, mouth shut. Yes, that too. Um, all right, so let's see what you guys had to say about mobile apps. All right, and so first off, before we get into the mailbag, it uh, we of course have our goat remote for this episode. So let's check in on our uh, our barnyard animal friend and see how he's faring. Hey boys, it's uh, goat goat remote from uh, Orlando today. Still sweating like hell. Stuck on America's penis for another couple of days. Yikes! Then we head north. But I just got out of the shower, so I said, get the fresh and clean version of Code Remote. Uh, I appreciate got a new that. phone, so I got to play a mobile game this week. I started uh, WWE Immortals. Hmm. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's different. It's like uh, <laughs> Injustice, but mobile and wrestling. Uh, let's see. Other than that, I think uh, I was working on SteamWorld, dig on my 3DS. And that's about it. It's been... Kind of crazy, random schedule and stuff like that. Kind of keeps uh, keeps me on my toes. Uh, other than that, yeah, that's about it. I think. I will talk to you guys next week from who knows where. All right, later. 
when, when, when he says from who knows where, um, I believe that he has absolutely no idea where he's going to be that week. Not that he couldn't find out, but um, we talked earlier today, today being Sunday, and um, he had uh, he had some com- uh, some computer questions he was asking me about, and and I helped him, and he said, thanks for your help, and I said, yep, no problem, and all while I'm protecting the streets of Gotham, and he said, aren't you supposed to be at your day job? And it took him about five seconds to be like, nope, wait, never mind. It's Sunday. I'm sorry. I lose all track of days. As somebody so. who has done uh, month-long month long national tours, I can tell you that once you're out there, the calendar means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, When you don't have a day job anymore, when you're out and touring, it doesn't matter. It means nothing. Yeah. So, um, go congratulations on your new phone. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with his choice. Um, he... He bought something that's current and uh, and has some muscle, I think, to last him for some time. And so, welcome to the fold. Congratulations brother. on that. And uh, we we also do have another voicemail, as a matter of fact. Hey, this is Matt Alford. I've got a new idea for a video game. Sorry, I didn't. I don't know if I called last week. I'm not sure. I don't remember. You did uh, not. It's a very busy week developing all these great games. <laughs> uh, I'm still not working with Activision. I think to point that out. Um, <laughs> but I uh, do have a brand new game. I mean, uh, you remember years ago I worked on uh, the Pony Hop franchise. And I think I've got a uh, new unit you guys are really going to like. It's called uh, Jerry, uh, Jeremy Rodman's Pogo Adventure. Um, okay. It's a lot like Commander Kane. Um, he had a Pogo. I said we were doing kind of cool Pogo moves, like a backflip or a front <laughs> flip or a Those are the only a moves. Twisty. Um, <laughs> that game's kind of cool. I've also got Command Search. That's my newest game, Command Search. Uh, that's where you are a commander of this fleet of, like, kick-ass dudes with guns, uh, and you have to search for commands to give them, like, flank or shoot huh. the bad guy. Still better than uh, what so they're putting I, uh, I think these are real dynamite games. Uh, <laughs> command search, uh, press 1 if you'd like to vote for that on your phone. So you can hear what's <laughs> the podcast. Uh, press 2 for Jeremy Rodman, uh, Poco Adventure. I'm sorry, I just, I'm really excited about both these games. Uh, Bumpa Joe for life, bye. <laughs> um Matt, that's not how the voicemail works but uh but uh but th- thanks for thanks for calling in uh, i'm glad to hear that uh, that your time at, at activision is not going to waste uh matt uh, i'm gonna say this too i i feel as though your your place in history and your official validation in this world will be the day that somebody gets bump and jump for life tattooed on their ass any takers charlie no. All right, go. Well, since you're not here to defend yourself, I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be you. Sorry, buddy. Ah, uh, that's unfortunate. And uh, so our mailbag question of the week was, uh, what do you think of mobile apps? Have you had any particularly good or bad experiences with them? What is, well, you know, in general, what do you think? Uh, so Lou Loman writes in and he says, uh, yes, recently bad. I went to go use <laughs> the uh, Xbox One companion app for Assassin's Creed Black Flag recently. Oh, um, and uh, found that I could not get it to connect properly to my Xbox. I own the game on PC and it works perfectly fine with that. But when I'm trying to use it with my Xbox, it gives me some stupid connection error, connection impossible, which is wrong because I actually got it to work for about five minutes at one point. Uh, It was apparently a common issue when it was first released, having to do with the number of friends on your list, but that's not my problem. Thus, I have no solution for it. Um, Yeah, that's... um that is unfortunate when when they uh, when you when you can't get them to work properly in the first place. Yeah, I feel like you know, Lou. I feel like I I did uh, try the um, the companion app for Black Flag a little bit when I started it months ago, and um, I feel like I had some trouble with it too. Mm. Um, but um, I think in my case at least, I I like restarted my uh, my. I, I was using my iPad. I don't I don't. Uh, you didn't say what platform you're using it on, but um, I restarted my iPad just because. 
and um, just sort of uh, just uh, blanket restarted like I think my Xbox and my my network just because just you know sometimes you just you just blanket restart everything just because you know whatever. Um, and I think at least in my case, I feel like that I got it to work, but I might be making that up because um, that that tends to be my solution for a lot of things. Sometimes just just restart it. Um, yeah, <laughs> any, anybody in tech support knows that's always step number one. So um, that's just kind of where my brain always goes. Uh, we also have a text response from Mr. Matt Elfring. Um, he says, no, Bump and Jump doesn't need a companion app. Um, it's also not possible, but that's putting that aside. Um, he said, uh, the Dead Rising companion app was a waste of time. Oh, he had a different experience than me. Um, I spent more time staring at my tablet trying to figure out how the hell to use it. Um, <laughs> all right. And uh, he also says, however, I like the Mortal Kombat and Injustice companion apps because you can unlock skins in the platform game. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even think about those because it's funny. I play those both extensively. Oh. And, and I don't like daily stuff in mobile apps. Probably the only two example of games. I actually do log in daily to get shit out of those mm, games. Interesting. Which is weird. Um, he said that's pretty rad for the mobile game. Uh, and the mobile game is fun to play while I drop a bump and jump. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to crack at the obvious no, joke, but it was I, good. Well I, done, Matt. I, I, I don't know where to go from there. Though now that you say that, I kind of feel like maybe you should consult a physician or perhaps take in more fiber. Uh, yes um he said wait does that count as a companion app yes i would say so um uh goat uh also wrote in and replied uh that uh fables can fable please skip companion apps i think is what he's saying uh the uh, the anniversary one was total shit and you and the useless joke and even though there was a companion app for fable anniversary i did Um, not either so there's that uh and then we have our songbird email songbird says dear texture chronicorn falafin and question mark well question mark is appropriate because there's nobody here um mailbag answer uh unfortunately to my knowledge i've played extremely few games which have companion apps uh, but i've never used them because i either don't own the needed device or it's not up to snuff to even consider using them um so uh songbird uh, for the most part you're not missing much as as we've mentioned um so then she uh, goes on to say with more games slowly adding features to devices outside their original product do you think gaming companies could ever convince those who make those devices to either reduce their prices to have discounts uh it's annoying to own a console but i can't use the apps for the games because i bought a console and I, I i guess then don't have the money for a smart device um no I, they're gonna keep doing it yeah um but i think that the difference between like free-to-play mobile apps and companion apps is is that they try to design the companion apps to not be a necessity to enjoy the core experience now i'm one of those people like you songbird that when i like a game or love a franchise or a company I, I want to experience every aspect of what they're putting out and giving to me. So I hate missing out on things just as you're describing. Um, but as you probably heard from the feature, unfortunately, you're not really missing much so far. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, the companion apps definitely, uh, I, I don't, I can't think of an example where a companion app has had purchases or revenue in and of itself. It's always been free because even with the Assassin's Creed one that you hated, there were no in-app purchases in that, I right? I think there's a couple not in that app but i think there are a couple of apps i can't think of them off the top of my head but i feel um nebulously in the back of my brain like i have seen companion quote companion apps that Mm -hmm. do have some small measure of in-app purchases associated with them um probably injustice and mortal Kombat being good examples of that okay 
Um, Songbird, just as an off-the-side um, suggestion, um, if you have a Windows computer, or I, I actually uh, a Windows or Mac computer that is at least relatively um, up to snuff, there is a program that you can get called BlueStacks. BlueStacks is an Android emulator program, which basically allows you to run Android apps on your computer. Um, so if you have a computer that's, that's, you know, somewhat decent, um, that would be a means where you could possibly partake in some of these Android companion apps if you should desire. So just a suggestion if you weren't aware of it. Um, uh, Songbird continues now for an about face with mobile devices becoming more of a threat. Why do they keep supporting them with apps? Um, okay. So she's basically, I, I, I understand that she's basically saying that game, that big game companies are worried about mobile apps taking over the market. So why are they supporting mobile platforms with companion apps? I believe is the question. Um, actually, that's a good question. I haven't uh, really thought about that. I, I'm going to go ahead just based on having a lot of experience with both. I'm going to say that I think that the, I think that the, the, the AAA studios, the bigger game studios, separate the two things even though they both share space on the same market i think they treat the companion apps differently than they treat the free-to-play gaming apps sure the free-to-play gaming apps they treat like a threat the companion apps i don't think that they treat that way because the companion apps don't add or take anything away from their money you know it's a supplemental thing that doesn't cost any money and doesn't bring them any money it's just there as uh an added thing or a bonus thing it's a it's it's a it's a on, uh, in the list of features, it is a bullet point in the mm-hmm. feature list, but it's very far down. Yeah. Um, and um, the the other side of it, I think, is that I don't. Um, I mean, obviously, I can't speak for every person in the world, but I I would I would surmi- I I would venture to say that there is a very small, if any, percentage of people that are bu- that went out to buy a smart device so they could use companion apps. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. think these people are already. I think that the, the what they're going after are people who already have these devices, and they're basically using this these companion apps as a relatively minor marketing tool to get people to buy the game. Because yeah. there probably there probably have been some people who have said, um, you know, because some of these companion apps you can even play without owning the main game. You know, you can just play it as an app, just as of what yeah, it is. Sure. And you know, so if 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 you know, for the companion apps that are compelling enough. Um, you know, if if that gets people to, you know, to get like, let's say you've got somebody who's likes Grand Theft Auto, but let's say they have, uh, you know, they're, you know, uh, th- OK, this is a bad example, because if you're not, you know, if you're not 18, you shouldn't be playing Grand Theft Auto. But let's say you're on an allowance and um, that uh, that you have to budget your your money, you know, carefully. And but, you know, you have a smartphone anyways, because, you know, most people do nowadays. And um, you get the companion app because if you can't play the main game, well, at least you're going to play the companion app. Well, if the companion app is compelling enough, that's just one further thing to get somebody to buy the main game. I think that's the main reason why companies are doing sure, this. Sure, sure, probably. Just a supplement. Yeah. Uh, Somber then goes on to say, uh, just curious, do you know if anyone who has ever owned any PlayStation phone? Uh, I do. You do know somebody or you do, you do own a phone? No, I don't own it. Okay. Um, I, the day job I used to have years ago, um, you know, I worked publicly with a lot of people who come in, who would come in and I would see them, you know, every month. Um, this was the same type of job in situ- situation where a customer allowed me to try their Google Glass mm. uh, headset there. And um, this, this person was a regular customer there. I'd see them probably two or three times a month. They pulled their phone out, and I saw the the branding on it, and said, "Oh, is that one of the PlayStation phones?" And this was when they were brand new. Um, they were really excited about it. They showed it to me. I got to play with it for about ten minutes. Um, not very impressive. Yeah, neat idea. 
neat idea. Had merit. Probably could have been an interesting thing if it had been developed properly. If people had been interested in developing for it, which was part of their big problem. They couldn't find anybody that wanted to make software for it. Right. Um, and part of that was because the phone required some pretty prohibitive, um, uh, I don't know, contract requirements in order to op- even operate it. And the battery life on it was terrible. Yeah. Um, and then with the advent of the PSP, it really rendered that thing just completely useless. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that the PlayStation mobile initiative was ahead of its time. I don't think phones, I think the biggest thing is battery life, you know, with, yeah. with when it came out, phones were not powerful enough to run games to the quality that people were expecting, you know, based on their experience with other, with other actual mobile platforms, um, you know, like, like, you know, like in 3DS or the Vita or whatever, or the PlayStation uh, portable. Um, but, and then battery life is just the other big thing. Those batteries in those things were not, yeah, yeah. yeah you and it, it, nuke it, that thing in no it time. It played fine. Um, it, it, there was, I had no qualms with what I played a racing game and, uh, an action game. I, a licensed one. I just don't remember which one it was, um, of some sort, um, like a beat em up, shoot em up type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it played fine. Oh, I mean, the and performance it was, was good in your it experience. It was, it was okay. a D pad, you know, like the sure. PlayStation D pad and the PlayStation face buttons, no stick, no analog mm-hmm. sticks, of course. Um, played fine, I guess. Uh, it was like an uglier PSP yeah. graphically. It was yeah. like better than PlayStation One graphics, not nearly as good as the PSP. Right. So like somewhere in between there. Yeah. Um, and um, I think we covered on the show several episodes back that uh, Sony had discontinued the uh, the play the PlayStation Mobile branding and that that whole which was issue. part of that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so um so uh, if you haven't seen anybody with one of these phones, you probably won't. And it was right point. around the time too, if I remember right, it was either just before or right around the launch of the iPhone. It was right around that time frame. Mm, no, it was 2007, after 2007, 2008. It was um yeah, I'm having. I, I want to say it was 2008. That sounds right. Which was like right after the launch of the iPhone. So they may yeah. have been developing this before the iPhone became yeah, a phenomenon. That's true. And maybe it would have done something had that not dropped first. Yeah. But no way they could stand up against that kind of competition. Yeah, definitely. Uh, finally, Songbird asks, so what's the most you or anyone else you know have ever spent in a companion app? Um, well, as far as companion apps are concerned, um, you know, like we mentioned a bit ago, I, I can't think of any the, any companion apps that have, you know, um, uh, I, you know, that, that have actually had like in-app purchases with real money. Um, uh, John, you said you think that you, there are some, but you can't think of them off the top I can't of your think head. Them off the, top of the closest thing again, is, as I said, was probably the injustice mobile app and mortal Kombat, And it is so loosely a companion app only just because you can unlock things. You know, if you play things in the console version, it unlocks it in the, mm-hmm. the, you know, mobile version and vice versa yeah. skins and, uh, you know, uh, little border backgrounds for your little nameplate online and stuff like that. Like little stuff like that. Sure. Um, I, I spent a little bit of money on Injustice when it first came out because this was still kind of, you know, paying for in-game app stuff and, and items. When something new comes along on the horizon for this type of technology, I don't mind shilling out. I give myself like a $20 cap on stuff. Sure. And if I don't see anything worth my investment at that point, then I stop spending on it. I probably spent a little bit more than that on Injustice at first, probably somewhere between 20 and $40 on it. Um, and then realized, it was before I realized that I could play and get everything took longer but without having to spend money and then I immediately went oh I don't need to spend money on this and I spent <laughs> I supported the developers I spent approximately the cost of a game so I don't feel bad for not giving them any more money yep. and I moved on but my general rule of thumb with anything where I'm spending money on in-app purchases is if it's a game I really like if the game's good enough to justify any money 
I will not spend any more than the cost of a retail game at top price. Sure. $59.96, is the max I will give anybody if you deserve it. And even then, that is rare. Yep. The um, As a household, um, I... I don't, uh, you know, I've mentioned already, I don't play a lot of mobile games, but Michelle um, is currently um, very, very much into um, Angry Birds Stella Pop, which, uh, if you're not familiar with it, is basically an Angry Birds themed, um, uh, what's, what's the what's the bubble game, uh, Bust-A-Move? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically an Angry Birds themed Bust-A-Move. Um, and there, it's, unfortunately, this is one of those games where they have, like, the time walls and the things like that. Mm. So I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of it, but she plays this game all the time. Um, you know, she's, you know, uh, almost, almost anytime we're watching like a TV show or something like that, she'll be playing this game. At Megan the same time. does exactly the same thing, but instead of that game, it's bubble, Witch, which is pretty much the same thing. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, I think I want to say that Michelle has put it maybe 20, 30 bucks into Stella pop. But again, she plays this game all the time. And so she's clearly getting enjoyment out of it. Sure. Um, for the most, for the most part, there's definitely sometimes she's been frustrated with it too. And, and as much as it's challenging, um, sure. but, uh, but, um, you know, she's, she's getting use out of it. So I'm, you know, I'm not, as, I'm, I am not upset about it. Um, but, um, as a household, that's, those are the only times I can think of as far as like in a purchase it and things like that. You know, we've, we've paid outright costs for games before, but that's, that's not what you're asking. So, uh, thank you very much, Songbird, for your uh, your email as always, and thank you everybody else for your submissions. Um, Matt, again, uh, good luck with your development efforts over at Activision uh, or something, and uh, and your serious bump and jump problem. <laughs> Is it a problem, or, or would yeah. that be bump and dump? Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right, anyways, and on, um, and goat, good luck, good luck getting off of America's penis. Um, John, what do you have coming up? Um, fortunately, after Anime, Anime Midwest passed this weekend, uh, Views for Villains is going to be taking a little bit of a break, uh, to finish working on the record and costumes and everything else that I've been talking about for what seems like forever now. Um, you know, our album comes out on, uh, October 31st of this year. Um, and, uh, we've got one other convention coming up. It's going to be in, uh, the St. Paul, Minneapolis area. Uh, it's a pop culture convention called Metacon. It's a mishmash of a whole bunch of different uh, pop culture things, you know, cartoons, comic books, sci-fi, anime. It's a little bit of everything. Uh, YouTubers. Um, so we'll be there performing with Views for Villains at that event. Um, we've done it a couple of years in a row. It's a great event. It's a lot of fun if you're in that area. Just come out and hang out and have fun with us. Um, you know, and then uh, the next thing we have booked after that isn't until January, which is going to be Anime Zap in Peoria. Uh, Illinois. Um, but uh, between now and then, we have nothing else booked, which is a rarity for us, and we're going to keep it that way for a little while while we work on some of this other stuff and basically rebuild a brand new show. Uh, we've been playing this show that, uh, Charlie, you've seen and a few other mm-hmm. people have seen. We've been playing uh, three or four variations of that show for uh, you know the last year and a half, and uh, it's just time to overhaul everything. Costumes, stage show, music, album, everything. And so it's going to take a little time and effort to do that. So we're going to be away for a little while. But uh, for those of you that follow us or are interested that listen to the show, we're not going to be gone. We're just going to be building something new for you guys to enjoy. So do you think it's fair? Do you think it's safe to say then that if you haven't seen the current Views for Villains show, you have one more opportunity to see it? Do you think that's fair to say? Um, at least some version of it, yeah. I mean, the, the theoretically, when as Metacon is in September. Um, so we may be playing some variation of this existing show. Um, <clears throat> coming up um, in September. But um, yeah, if, if you want to see the current show as it is and kind of the end of the bookend of the album we've been playing for the last few years, 
um, come see it in September. Uh, or if we happen to book something between now and September, we'll keep you posted. Otherwise, that's going to be the end of that version of the stage show, and we may not ever bring that back again. We may be retiring a few songs and changing some songs out in, in lieu of the new stuff that we've been working on. So um, come see it. Cool. Uh, on my side of things, um, just more of the same. Um, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've announced recently, I mentioned it here on the show before, but I've uh, officially announced that um, I am the new... Uh, PR manager for Ponyville Cider Fest, which is a, a My Little Pony convention that's happening in Milwaukee uh, this November 20th through 22nd. Um, I, attend, uh, I attended their inaugural year last year, and it was my first PonyCon, and it was a ton of fun time. And um, I'm excited to be coming back in, in a manner that uh, will allow me to contribute uh, to, to the community that I love very much. And then um, coming up in April in Chicago, um, Winnie City. Uh, PonyCon. Um, I am the also the peer manager for that. Um, they're they're managed and run by the same group of people, so um, it's it was a it was a natural fit for me to kind of take on both. And so as a peer manager, I'm basically managing the social media accounts and taking care of uh, questions and posts and the Facebooks and the Twitters and the website and um, helping out with some other website issues and things like that. So yeah, I'm just super excited. Um, you know, I've um, you know uh, anybody who knows me has probably heard me go off on my uh, my my fondness for My Little Pony at some point in time, and um, the community especially. And so it's uh, it's it's incredibly satisfying is the wrong word because that makes it sound too self serving. But um, it's <laughs> it's the only one I can think of right now. Very it's, fulfilling it is that. Thank you. That is the perfect word. It is incredibly fulfilling to be able to give back. To Gratifying, the, maybe. Sure, that one too. Um, that uh, to be able to give back to this community that I just that that has done so much for me and um and uh so yes uh very excited about all those things uh for my beer of the week i'm getting back to that um if you live in wisconsin um and only pretty much if you live in, in wisconsin you have the opportunity to buy new glaris beer um only sold inside the state of wisconsin unless some unless some beer stores are doing naughty things and getting arrested which is a thing that has happened uh well not arrested but you find or whatever maybe arrested i'm not really sure but don't <laughs> they're not supposed to do that um so um uh, if, um, so probably throughout the most of Wisconsin, you can get your hands on, uh, their Berliner Weiss, which is, um, it's, uh, it's one of their thumbprint series. Um, a Berliner Weiss, it's kind of a, it's kind of a sour beer. Um, it's, uh, it's very low alcohol. It's only 3%, but, um, it is packed with flavor. Um, it's, uh, you know, I've talked, if you've never had a sour, um, it's a lot of people don't, I, there have been some people like Michelle's brother, for example, um, not really a beer drinker at all mm-hmm. until I handed this man a sour and he was like, I had no idea beer could taste like this. This is phenomenal. And so I think sours are pretty much all he drinks now. Everybody's got their taste. Yep. And, um, so if, if, if you think of like when you're like, like candy, like you think of most, most candy being sweet and chocolatey and yada, 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 but then you've got like sour patch kids where it's, it's still candy but it's a completely different flavor profile that's sure. that's what like sours and wilds mm-hmm. and our Berliner, uh, Berliner vices and so um new glarus's Berliner vice is uh, excellent and so if you can find your if you can find that um you should and, and you're interested in this you should pick it up um if you are close to where new glarus actually is a bonus suggestion um where michelle and i were up there a couple uh, we, we stopped by the brewery on our way up to mlp msp a couple weeks ago and they were selling their r&d vintage 2014 which is basically uh, i believe you can only get at the new glarus brewery um and this is a another sour that they did which holy mother of god this will make her love spucker um <laughs> But it is so good. I mean, if you like sours and you like this this kind of thing, 
Um, it is excellent. Um, it's like a two bottle per person limit, so they may not have it anymore. I'm not sure, but if um, if you come across it, um, you'll you'll notice that it's in. Um, I believe New Glarus only pretty much only sells their bottles in the standard 12 ounce format. You know, they don't sell any of like the bigger, you know, they're called bombers, 22 ounce bottles, um, except for these, um, R and D and like other special brews that they have. I, I think they're 16 or 18 ounces. They're, they're maybe 20 there, but they're larger bottles. And, um, the labels are very, uh, very, uh, unique in that they're basically just script and writing where it almost looks like each one is handwritten out with like the description of what the beer, what the beer is and like what it's like and everything. And, um, so if you're anywhere near the brewery, if you haven't been there, swing by and see if there's still any available. Um, and if, uh, if not, if you happen to see anybody bring one to a bottle share or otherwise have the opportunity to try some, uh, this is absolutely phenomenal. Um, so that's, um, new Glarus's, uh, their Berliner Weiss or R and D vintage 2014 to, uh, like a, a easier to find beer if you're in Wisconsin and a rare beer, which yeah, good stuff. You're making me thirsty, Charlie. I'm sorry. I, uh, I would say I don't do it on purpose, but I kind of do. So good man. <laughs> um, on next week's show, Mr. Agitator himself, Nick Santiago, John's brother will be joining us and we're going to be talking about... Uh, game adaptions of movies, but uh, instead of beating the dead horse of how many horrible game adaptions of movies and books that there have been, our question to you is going to be, what movies or books or other media um, that hasn't already been made into a game do you think would actually make a really good video game? Um, so let us know of all the uh, of any books or movies um, that you've seen that haven't been made into a game. What would make a good one and why? That's going to be our mailbag question to you for next week. And so you can look forward to that next week. But uh, for now, if you've liked what you heard, you can find us at GamerHeadRadio.com, at Facebook.com backslash GamerHeadRadio, at Google.com backslash plus GamerHeadRadio, and on Twitter at GamerHeadRadio, where I'm at T-E-K Charlie. Uh, John is at the Fallon Flynn. Goat uh, is at Sir Goatsworth. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram on under that handle to uh, to follow his tour antics. He he posts quite frequently, actually, um, with various, uh, especially on Instagram, which and then he pipes over to Twitter. But uh, um, considering Twitter is are dorks and they they won't actually let you see the Instagram post in line, <laughs> that I, it makes me angry. Um, but yeah, uh, so follow us all at those places. Um, email us at editors at gamerheadradio.com, please, or call in and leave us a message at nine four nine two it. 94926 Gamer. Uh, download the official Gamerhead Radio app from Google Play on Android or subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, Twitch, or with your podcast downloader of choice. Real quick side mention, the TuneIn app is now available on Xbox One, so you now have a non-browser-based method of listening to Gamerhead Radio on your Xbox One. So hooray for that. I've tested it out, and uh, it works just, just fine. Um, so thank you very much for listening. This has been yet another episode of Gamerhead Radio. <laughs>